I tend to be like a little bit of a collector hoarder kind of thing. And uh, I have some, some, some collectibles and figurines. And I had to explain to my wife that, uh, no dear, these are not dolls and they are not toys. These are collectibles and action figures. And I would, I, I would expect it, you to respect my collections. With that in mind, you know, and that sort of brings us to, you know, what we're going to be talking about today on the backlog breakdown. It's not just a toy, boys and girls. It's, 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 they're not dolls. They're my action figures. Actually, we're not going to be talking about action figures, but we are going to be talking about it's not just a toy. And, uh, yeah. These toys tell stories. They, they do. It's, it is. The super toy, but uh, yeah, that was obviously my co-host. You know, I'm Nate, one of the one of your your hosts here, and there's my co-host Josh, and we're, we're joined Ew. this episode by a very special guest, our friend Eric, the Judge Bryant. Hey, everyone! So hey, hey, and he he is called the Judge because he is actually a judge. Um, so retired at this point, which oh, um, lucky you, man! I work with judges though. Hmm. So, so you so judge he, what the judges are doing? No, no, <laughs> I help them. I help them judge. Ah, I see. So he, but he was a judge. He was, yeah. he was a judge when I, I think I gave him that nickname. Yes, for twenty two okay. years, I was an administrative law judge for the state of Arizona. Wow, wow, that's so uh, also picked up there that I'm also old. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I didn't say it. I wasn't gonna say you it. Didn't say it. Hey, I know. Hey, listen, I'm old. <laughs> I did. I I as as I've sort of like and again like you know I I recognize as I get older. There's like sort of like categories, and it really is like you know you're sort of in your 30s, and there's sort of a very 30s ish mentality, and there's a very 40s ish mentality, and there's a very 50s ish mentality, and then um you know I was well. <laughs> We'll we'll get into how about we just sort of move into the you know like how 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 have you you guys been you know Josh there's a question mm-hmm. or rather a, a phrase I like to bandy about where it's like mm-hmm. you know what Josh it's been two weeks and I yes. and I like to sing a little bit and I go yeah it's been <laughs> two weeks since I talked to you and you you love it. You love it every time. You, you, every time, you know, you, you love and it so I much. Hate. I got that reference the first time you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That. Somebody appreciates my craft here. Yeah, but, I like it. Um, Eric, it has been more than two weeks since we last mm-hmm. talked to you. Um, <laughs> it's it's been a while, man. Um, I mean, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago. We we sort of got you know got caught up on uh, PSN. We did a little bit of party chatting. Um, but yeah, it's been a while. So like you're retired now and you know, no, you're just, I'm just not judging. Well, you're retired yeah. from judging. Yes. But okay. I still work for the state. I work with, I work at the Arizona court of appeals hmm. and I'm a subject matter expert for those guys in workers comp law and unemployment hmm. benefits law. Um, so I help the judges with those cases. I'm, I'm, okay. I call myself a ghostwriter for the court. Um, <laughs> I, I draft up uh, their decisions for them, and then they take it from there and make it theirs and finalize it. And if they agree with with my recommendation, sometimes they don't. 
Yeah. Hmm. That so, is pretty cool. Pretty appealing. <laughs> yes. Puns. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. I love puns. Don't encourage him. <laughs> and you're a dad. So you have to do those. Yes, all the time. <laughs> Nate, will, Nate will find out. No, no. I'm going to be the cool dad who doesn't do that. Um, it'll be like, I'll be the dad where like the, the, the kids all come over and they're like, you know what, um, little McKeever, your dad is the coolest because he's just, he's not a total cornball. And then, you, you know, and, and then I'll just totally botch that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Once you see, once you get that, dad, you'll, you'll want more. <laughs> that, that, that becomes, that becomes the drug instead yeah. of like your morning <laughs> cup of coffee. It's like, you need that one just exasperated. Oh, dad. Yeah. <sighs> I live for that. I still do that. My kids are 30. Still do. <laughs> oh man. Um, so you, you've been on the breakdown before. But yeah, it's been been a golf. long time. It's been probably a couple years, honestly. Yeah, backlog golf was when I was on. That's I right. think that's the only time I've been on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I've uh, God's been great to me. I have the best job I could ever ask for. It's hmm. so weird. Um, I work with the finest people. I mean, you know, I did this thing where after I was there for a while, I started in 2019 doing working at the court of appeals <clears throat> and I did this thing. I'm like, wow, you know, there's about 12 of us. We're called staff attorneys. Um, we help the court draft decisions. Um, and I'm like, all these people are really good, nice people. What, I'm like, there's no jerks. And then I remember that old thing, you know, if you're at the poker <laughs> table and, you know, you can't find the, what is it? You can't find You've, the. You can't find the sucker. You're, yeah, the sucker. you're the sucker. That's what I thought. So I guess I'm the <laughs> jerk um, because those people are awesome. The judges, they're all really reasonable, serious hmm. people that also don't take it that seriously. Um, so. Now, you have to understand that when I got out of law school in the old days, in 1988, my first job was clerking at the Court of Appeals for one of the judges. Okay. Because I was a writer um, and a researcher, and I'm fascinated by the law in terms of in theory more so than in practice, although, you know, you have both of those. Mm. But I just love the idea of law and fairness and justice and all that stuff. So I gravitated, mm -hmm. and plus I was an English major mm -hmm. uh, in my undergrad. So I just gravitated toward writing and research. <clears throat> and so I wanted to clerk for a judge at a court. And that was my first job. And I loved it. It was so good. And I thought, I, I want to get back here someday. And God let me do that and sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and I got back uh, to there. And it's just, I'm so blessed and I will not retire because why should I? I mean, the job is, it's not stressful um, because it's, it's a, it's a pellet level law. So it's very deliberative. It's not fast pace. 
Mm -hmm. Um, the court does a lot of work. I mean, it's hard working. They, they churn out decisions a, a lot. So it's not like they're not working, but the pace is not fast. And I've been in, you know, when I was, when I was a judge at, at the lower level, there were some times where it was really fast paced and high volume. And I hated that. Um, you know, I just had to do it the best I could, but that's just not me. I'm a very slow in, in some senses, also <laughs> slow, <laughs> slow person, slow witted, maybe sometimes, but no, I just, I'm very, I, I'm just, I'm meant for this kind of work mm. where it's just, you know, what, how to interpret the law. So we're mostly interpreting uh, statutes and prior cases and that kind of thing. So yeah, I, God has been so good to me. Um, I'm not going to retire. I've, I've hit the mark where I could retire f with the state full benefits because I've always worked for the state of Arizona. So mm -hmm. I'm over 30 years with them, mm. but I, there's no reason for me to. In fact, we just got a nice raise, which is also mm. weird in this economy. Um, <laughs> but they're like, hey, we found some extra money. We're giving it to the staff attorneys, which is unheard. I've never been in a situation mm. like that, especially with government. They don't normally do that. But these these mm. people are awesome that I'm working with. So, so it's yes, nice. I was so cool. a judge for a long time. Um and now I read other judges' uh, decisions and and comment on whether they're consistent with the law. Mm. Hmm. Very That's, cool, man. Uh, and I'm glad that I'm glad that you've sort of hit a point too, where like, you know, it's there were two things when you were sort of sharing that with us, and I was I was thinking it was like one, you said you 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 don't plan on retiring, which you know. And we, we were sort of, before we actually started the recording proper, you know, we were sort of talking and I said like, you know, I love my job. I'm, 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 I'm sort of a very like, but when I have a bad day, I know like sometimes those days, like I'm minutes away from like, just like hanging it all up and just being like, nah, I can't do this mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really like, there will be a day, like I would like to carry for 30 years total like 30 mm -hmm. like if i could carry into my 60s but sometimes i do get a little concerned just because of the the physical nature of the job and it's it's yeah. only getting sort of like more demanding uh especially with the volume mm -hmm. but like i like that attitude dude like i like the fact like and it's not like just like fruitless labor it's like no i love what i'm doing what i'm doing is good and by the grace of god i'm just gonna keep doing this mm -hmm. you know yeah. and so you know, the Judges in Arizona have to retire at 70. Mm, uh, okay. There's a, there's a law and I have to find out if that applies. I don't think that applies to me. Um, mm. I'm, I'm not, I, I'll be 60 in December. That's just, okay. so when I say old, that's what I mean. I'll be 60, uh, which is weird. I don't consider, I don't think of myself as 60. It's weird getting old. I'm mm. um, getting older. Um, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. uh, so I, I'll work as, there as long as they'll have me because, like I said, it's, it's the best job I've ever had. I don't want to leave. It's perfect. Yeah. They like me. I, I've, you know, I'm expert enough in what I do 
that mm -hmm. I'm valuable to them, which is a nice position to be in as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, man. Uh, so Josh, now I know that your your sort of like your fortnightly update is not going to be nearly as impressive as what Eric just shared with us. No, no, <laughs> but, not not in the but least. <laughs> I I would I would like to know how how your past two weeks has been. How how has it been? It's been. For you? <laughs> how has it been? It's been good. It has been very full, uh, very busy, hopping around from different. Uh, different things. So, uh, I, I think I talked about it last episode. I did pick up a couple extra gigs. So recording and editing an audiobook, and then also working for a school, uh, for a little bit for some conferences that they had doing tech for them. So I did, I was able to take some time off from the church in order to do that. Um, but then just, just doing both of those kind of at the same time. And then on top of that, it's, it's, you know, like back to school season, or whatever. And so for homeschooling, that means, you know, picking out curriculum and stuff like that and, and kind of planning for the next year. Um, and so we went full force into that this past week. Uh, so it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of good things. I feel like I accomplished a lot, which is great. Um, but a lot of other things kind of fell to the wayside. I don't know if, if, if anyone else has felt it, but I have not been very present in the discord lately just because I'm like, sorry, not doing social media right now. <laughs> like I've got all this other stuff that needs to happen. Cause once you start in, um, on, on some of the stuff, it, it, like th there's a little bit of a rabbit hole that you can fall down in, into, uh, looking around and seeing what there is out there, especially for you know, teaching curriculum, stuff like that. So, um, we're kind of, we're kind of new to this. I'm not necessarily new in the, the homeschooling. Cause I was homeschooled. It's just now it's, it's the other side of it of like, oh yeah, all the prep work that goes into it. I didn't have to do any of that. My dad did all that stuff. Um, <laughs> is it, it's like, okay, are you doing yeah. that with your wife or is it mostly you? No, it is. It, it's actually mostly my wife, but, um, oh, okay. But we're, yeah, just like deciding on all this stuff now. Um, and we have divvied up some of this. That was part of it too, is like, okay, we have some flexibility. Um, so why not kind of, she does a couple subjects with them. And then, uh, so today it's Monday was kind of the first day we did it in full. And so when I got home, I did a science lesson with my kids. And we had fun with that. And they're, they're really enjoying They're, they're, every parent says their kids are smart. Okay. So take it with a grain of salt, but, um, they're still at the age where they're really curious and really enjoying learning new things. Uh, and hopefully that will continue, you know, especially, I know it has to do with the way that we teach them as well. Um, at least that's what I was in my experience. Um, yeah. but like the, the fact that they, they are totally on board also is super cool. So enjoy. Yeah, I'm that. fascinated by homeschooling because I wanted, mm -hmm. to, I wanted to do that and I really would have enjoyed it, but it didn't work out that way. And yeah. And my wife didn't feel comfortable. I thought she could have done a mm -hmm. good job, but she didn't feel comfortable. Um, and back then when our kids were younger, schools weren't as bad and we got in a good district. And then my wife just, she was in the schools with the kids. Oh, nice. Stuff. Um, so that's how it worked out. But so anyway, but yeah, so I've always had this thing. I, I would have loved to have homeschooled. I think I would have had a lot mm -hmm. of fun and, and it would have been interesting, but never happened for us. 
Yeah, it's it's all the ups and downs. So you know, when it's good, it's really good, and then when it's difficult, it gets really difficult. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's no separation. You know, it's just like okay, this is a part of life, like everyday life now. And um, yeah, no, it, it it is totally different. Just again, not that I was in on any of the planning. That it was primarily my dad who did. I'm sure my my parents made decisions together, but my dad also did the teaching during the week. Um, so I know it's it's a very different landscape now than back then, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Just like there there is so much more available and even the the proliferation of the internet makes things a lot easier. Um, so like the way that I saw my dad piece things together was a lot more complicated than a lot of the stuff that's available now. So I feel like after kind of deep diving into it this past couple of weeks, um, that like, I feel a lot more prepared, like, or like it's, it's just easier. <laughs> the, the, the problem is that it's such a, what there's so many things available that you have to just choose. Oh, wow. yeah. And that's a good, like, that's a good problem to have case in point. There's a bunch of uh, this is total side note, but there's, there's tons of like, you know, not support groups, but groups on social media, you know, different Facebook groups and stuff like that. And, uh, the thing that I found really interesting is that, uh, like it feels like every other, every other part of, of culture and society. And maybe this is just cause I live in Austin, Texas, which is a pretty liberal city. Um, but every other part of society, when you're looking for anything that, that has any kind of like assumption of God or any kind of Christianity at all. Um, it's usually, it's usually pointed out where like in a lot of these homeschooling groups, it's the opposite where people have to specifically ask, is this like, I'm looking for something secular, <laughs> which I'm like, that's really oh, cool wow. that Christians have done kind of the groundwork yeah. and, and kind of built up so much that like, in order to find something that does not acknowledge that God is the creator of all things that uh, you have to specifically specify that when you're yeah. looking for different things. So anyways, is a side note. It's interesting. So, but, but that's kind of been on the forefront of my mind the past two weeks. So, although it probably not, not as, as uh, good and interesting as, as your stuff, Eric, I am probably equally as long winded. So. <laughs> no, quick, real quick side note. I was born yeah. in Austin, Texas. Oh, nice. Oh, so, yeah. I, but I never lived there, really. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my dad was in the Air Force. Gotcha. Yeah. So I was That's... there like six months from birth, and then we were out. But uh, so you remember every moment of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but my dad constantly reminded me that I was a Texan. It was a, it was kind nice. of a dope thing. He was like, <laughs> You're a Texan. You have to, you know, like when we would drive, he, he, I guess he had me convinced that when we entered, when we crossed the border into Texas, I had to stand mm -hmm. up, even if I was in the car, because that's what Texans do. <laughs> so he had me standing that's up awesome. in the car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my. Oh my. I love, it. I love it. I mean, there, there's the whole, like, I, I don't know, like up here, it's like when we cross state lines, there's like a little game you play where you lift your feet, you know, on, like, you know, you lift your feet on one side. And then when you, when you, when you see the sign says like, you're now leaving Pennsylvania, you lift your feet and then 
when it says like welcome to Maryland or whatever, then you put your feet back down. It's I don't gotcha. know. That's but that's probably that not not standing in a vehicle. Um <laughs> But Josh, uh, I just sort of, uh, how was, uh, your, your little challenge there? How, how, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the, pretty much the, the same place as I was last week is that it's, it's been because of kind of the change in schedule, it has not been as consistent as I would like for it to be. The times that I, that I have been able to, to continue, um, have been really beneficial. So it's like, because there's been so much change and maybe I'm just making excuses. Um, it, it, uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been as consistent as I would like it to be. Okay. So, well, I mean, dude, like I was just going to say, as far as like my, the personal challenge, like counting my calories, I Mm -hmm. pretty much, I think I did it one day out of the last two Mm -hmm. weeks. Um, okay. I just, it was like somewhere where I was doing really well with it for months and months and months. And then like I got off it and for whatever reason, it's been just like, like there's a, a bit of a mental, just like, I can't sort of like say like, no, I need to be watching what I mean. I need to be counting calories. I need to like, sort of just like being mindful there. And for whatever reason, I'm like, no, just, I, I, I don't think it helped either. I, I mean, it was a good thing overall, but my parents did come in, uh, not this last weekend, but the weekend prior, uh, for a few days and they basically helped us sort of get some stuff done. Like, I mean, they, yeah. Megan, uh, and my mom and dad got that, the, the, the one bedroom pretty much cleaned out and ready for the baby. Um, they did a lot of work just sort of, uh, in the house with getting different stuff. Like my dad pretty much cleaned out our garage. Um, Oh, wow. Nice. He's, it's very much, I am sort of envious of my father's work ethic because like he, he was in the middle of nine kids. He was like, grew up on a farm. It's like, they did everything. And like, he has always just had projects, like always, always, always has like something to do. Right. Yeah. He's actually like, we were talking a little bit and uh, he's getting ready to retire here in a couple of years. He, he was a a lineman for Penelink GPU. That's a utilities company up here. Like, so he did like, work on power lines and stuff like that for years. And then he moved into the human resources and instruction side of things for a while. And so he would do curriculum development and training for linemen for, um, and then he moved into just some other stuff, but he kind of made that transition. And so he's, he's sort of like, I don't think he's officially retired, but he's pretty much retired. And he was like, ah, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, stop. I was like, and I was just kind of like messing with him. I was like, you know, I said, I bet you have like eight little projects just already like lined up in your head. I was like, you know, and, but I was telling, I like to tell the story about my dad, right? So I don't know about you guys, but growing up, like we were expected, like, especially me, uh, I'm the oldest of four. And then my brother, Deuce, he's, well, Luke, he's the youngest um, and there's seven years difference, but then there's two sisters in between us. Um, and like all the kids were expected to help outside, but I was expected to like, I mean, like when I was like 13 and 14, like my parents bought this, this house and it was an unfinished shell. And like, I basically would go out sometimes for just like three or four hours after school and help my dad do stuff, getting that house ready. Um, and it was like, it was like always something like we were expected to, to, you know, help, but it was like mow and like, my dad was just like, I don't like this tree. 
I'm going to cut it down. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm expect like you're expected to just help out. And at the time I totally hated it. Um, but now I've come to sort of really cherish the fact that my dad was really just trying to instill work ethic in me. Right. And, uh, he was trying, trying to teach me the benefits of working hard and, and you know that, and he just wanted stuff done. But I tell this story that when Megan and I were dating, right. Um, I told her what he was like and she's like, it can't be that bad. And I said, no, it's, it's like dad says like, Hey, I need help for a couple hours. And I said, it, and it's all day. Um, and I said, Co- couple hours is code for, um, till, till the sun goes down. And mm-hmm. she was like, it, and she like, kind of was like, no, I was like, no, I'm, I'm being dead serious. And so we go out to visit my parents and we're dating at the time. And my dad's like, Hey, could you give me a hand for an hour and eight? I looked at her and I said, time it. And he goes and he had cut down some, some trees and stuff. And he wanted like three hours later, three hours later, he's like, I need help for an hour. Okay. He's like, "Eh, just give me a hand for an hour. I was like, okay. And I, and like three hours later, I, I look at him and I said, Hey dad, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like dip out. Like I'm done. (laughs) Like, you know, like, and she was just like, and he was out there for like another two hours. Like just like, wow. And that's just how he's wired. And he just like, he goes and he goes and he goes. And, and I, I love that about him and it was really helpful and it was really encouraging, but it's like, it's like one of those things where I I told, like, I I tell that story and I'm just like, yeah, my, my dad, like, you know, that's like, like, can you help me for a couple hours as code for like, uh, we're not, we're, this is not done until we can't see like, like, Uh you know, um, but, yeah. and, and I very much like love and appreciate uh, when I was younger, I, I hated it. Um, <laughs> well, it, cause it's like when you're a kid, you want to like go and hang out with your friends and all that. Yeah. And my dad was like, no, I, I need your help here at the house. And mm-hmm. that's just how it worked. Um, I also like, I mean, like when I was 16, like they were like, you got to get a job. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they were very big. And I think a lot of that has been very formative for just like how I look at vocation and labor. And, um, I didn't always appreciate it, but I do now. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they came out that, that weekend and they just, they helped. I mean, he, he brought his truck and they hauled a bunch of stuff to the dump. So, yeah. But all that being said, it's, you know, there, there's some other critical pieces of information, gentlemen, that we have to get into before we get into the, the episode proper. It's time. We need to, we need to talk about our backlog reports. Ah, I do have, I yeah. have got that. Josh, Josh has one. And I, there's, you know, very fan. Very fan. What is that? I can't, I can't even see. Uh, this is something they came home from, uh, my kids came home from Sunday school with a prayer for my teacher. You know, as so a, a listener, prayer for mom and dad. whether that was a sound effect or you were actually doing that. So oh yeah. <laughs> well, Eric, since you're our guest, man, why don't you go ahead and sort of like kick off? Like, what have you been playing? What have you been reading? What have you been into lately? Okay. So, um, I was playing, uh, cyberpunk 2077. Mm. Um, and you know, I did, I did something I've done before with it. I was doing all the side quests, and I was like, you know, it's huge. Um, you just have this map filled with stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this little section here, and I'm going to 
get all the stuff done. Mm -hmm. And I did that too long and I kind of lost, <laughs> lost interest in it. I mean, it's a great mm -hmm. game, although it's, it's very, it's, there's interesting things about it. I mean, this, this idea of the future, this night city, it's kind of cool. And it's realistic in the fact of it's really highly sexualized, mm. but it's interesting to me that it's pretty much heterosexual. It's, it's sexualized very heterosexually. There's not a whole lot mm. of the opposite. Mm. Um, and I thought that's weird. Why, why would they make that choice? Since, you know, of course everything's going the other way, supposedly, mm. Um, so that's one of the weird things about it, but it's a good game. Um, there's a lot of systems in it, so you can get overwhelmed. I mean, mm -hmm. you got guns, you got mods, you got, I forget, there's other, there's two things you can add to guns to change them. There's mods and something else. And I don't know, it, it can get overwhelming, but, uh, I, I'm enjoying it. I'll, I'm sure I'll go back to it. And I, and I was right at the point where I was like, okay, I need to just go back and play the main story more and forget about the side quest because I got bogged down in that. When I was watching something on YouTube and they showed a clip of the Mad Max game, which I played mm. into yeah. years ago, and I thought, oh, yeah, Mad Max. So I started playing that, and now I'm hooked on that. Uh, nice. And again, it's it's clearing i'm clearing the map but there's not as many things as there are in cyberpunk so it's okay. more manageable i'm making faster progress in it so that's what i'm playing that game is cool it's got some issues but some of the combat animations are really i mean they're brutal mm. but they're really intricate some of me i mean the combat they they worked a lot on the combat. It doesn't always work that well. Mm -hmm. That game, I would love it if they remastered it and cleaned up a lot of. Give the it issue. some quality of life stuff. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that game is cool. I mean, you really feel like, um, you know, you're there, uh, and it's very open. You do you have to you do have to do a lot of driving, but, mm -hmm. and I I'm not biggest driving fan but i don't know it works in this game because it it's it's part of it so mm. that's what i'm playing uh nice reading is so you have to know i'm a i'm a student i'm also a teacher but i used to i said this when i was in my I think I was in my 20s. I was still in school. And I said, man, if somebody would just pay me to just go to school my whole life, that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. I love being in school. So I take classes. <clears throat> and now there's a lot of online stuff. Um, so this summer I took, I, I'm in, I, jo I joined this thing. I don't think I'm ever going to finish it. But I joined a master's program um, for a master's in American history and government. Because when I teach I teach paralegal classes. I've done that for since 1990. Mm. Um, and when I teach, okay. I work in government, like what is government? How does government work? What's the purpose? That kind of thing. Because my sense is 
not too many people have civics in high school anymore. Um, I always ask, and mm. there still are some people that have it. Um, I'm sure it's a, a an elective type thing. I don't. I, I doubt anybody's required to take it, but I just part of my thing is that so many people don't understand how government works, and they think that they can't. They think it's really complicated, and I guess it can mm. get like that, but it's really, you can boil it down and everybody can understand and should understand how it works, why things are the way they are. There's, there's purpose to it. Everything is that for a reason. And sometimes they're not good reasons. So mm -hmm. I just, I'm one of these people who likes to get information out. So when I do my classes, I do that. So I, and I found out about this program. It's fantastic. So I took, uh, the American Revolution class this summer, um, and what their their thing is, you read original documents rather than okay. rather than textbooks or books about an event. You just you read the people that lived the event, mm. uh, and so we read a bunch of stuff from the Revolutionary period, and I I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. I mean, I'm my favorite period in American history is pre-Civil War, uh, how, how we got to where that happened. I mean, there, it, there's so many moving parts to that. It's, it's mm -hmm. interesting. So I didn't think I would like the, you know, the very beginning, but I found out there's a lot of moving parts to that, too. Um, hmm. We read this book um, that was published in 1789, I think, that is a history of the revolution. Okay. So it's kind of an original document in some senses that it was written by a guy who lived through the revolution. Um, yeah. It's wow. Really good. I mean, really good. The guy is a fantastic writer. It's, it's pretty easy to read. It's not a hard read. Um, mm -hmm. His name is David Ramsey. He was from, he was South Carolina South Carolinian guy, um, and that was fantastic. So now I got all these books I'm trying to read. I've got them lined up. Um, mm -hmm. Further stuff on the American Revolution because the the um, guy I had that was teaching the class he said you know we never talk about what's the British perspective of the revolution. Okay. But, and he was he he raised some fascinating stuff like how do you fight a war in which you want the people to join to rejoin you you're you're making war mm. normally you're making war mm. against people you want to conquer right 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 you're not making war against your it was really more of like a brother these are our brothers we want them back into the brit the british kingdom <laughs> but we're yeah. going to make war on them. So it, mm -hmm. it was like they had a really difficult task. It should have been e – on paper, it should have been easy. I mean they had the best Navy in the world. Mm -hmm. They had the best or at least one of the best armies in the world. This was the British Empire at their peak. It yeah. should have been really easy. But the one of the big problems was this disconnect between – what they wanted, which was rejoin us, you're our brother, mm -hmm. 
and the tactics that they used. So it really hampered their generals um, because they were going around trying to say, oh, no, you know, well, we'll just, just come back to us. And yeah. people were like, no, 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 no. So anyway, that was fascinating. And then I just audited another online class on Athanasius, um, mm. which is one of my things. I, I don't have a lot of church history knowledge. I'm trying to get more. Mm. Um, okay. And so there's a place, there's a, a, a thing online called Davenant Hall mm-hmm. that has these classes and I audit them. I, I, this was my second one. Um, and this one was Athanasius and I didn't find him hard to read, but I wasn't, he wasn't my favorite. Um, and I don't, that, that goes into a whole nother thing. I, as I could talk your ears off, but uh, (laughs) um, because I'm not, I discovered this over the years too. I'm not a big fan of devotional type stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to bother me. It used to be like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I like devotional types? And I still get that sometimes. I still think that sometimes I just, I'm not into it. Um, What gets me going is theology. Like that's what, That makes me feel like worshiping is like theology. So that's what I like. And, and a lot of Athanasius' stuff was – it was a mixture, but there was a lot of devotional stuff in it. And I think that's why it wasn't just you know hitting me. Mm. I wasn't that thrilled. But, but just learning the history of that, oh, my Lord. You talk about politics and – people i mean and he was a he was a pretty savvy politician um Hmm. i mean he we celebrate him for the right reasons i mean he held out against everybody Mm -hmm. but the times were so volatile it's just crazy i i kept Hmm. rereading stuff to try and keep track of all the stuff that was going on it was crazy um and so I, you know, he's, he's fantastic for that. That part of history is really interesting and, and somewhat scary because it was the government <laughs> Christianity coming together and they didn't know, you know, it would, they were just doing what it is, which is impose Christianity on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Hmm. Um, so they had all those, but it was interesting. It's just one of these things where, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. You can learn a lot from studying history that will teach you things that you can use for current events. Yeah. So anyway, that's, and that class is, there's one more class, which is on Friday, but I won't be able to go to that one because I have to go visit my parents. Um, and I'll be hmm. gone. So, but I was auditing, so I don't have to take the tests or anything. So that's yeah. what I've been doing. That's awesome. Josh, that's really cool. You know, and again, yeah, I don't expect your your report to be nearly as robust <laughs> as 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 Eric's, but I, I do expect you to bring something to the table. So um <laughs> what well, what have you been playing? What have you been reading? What have you been up to? 
I, I appreciate you uh, setting the bar very low because I think I may just be able to meet it in that case. Because uh, yeah, there's there's not too much to to report on, but generally, I'll start with video games. Um, I did finish Mother Three, mm. and although there were certain parts of that game that were spoiled for me going in, I I had no problem with spoilers because I didn't think I would ever play it. And lo and behold, I here I am playing it. Um, but the ending for, was not spoiled for me. And although there was some very heavy foreshadowing, foreshadowing it was obvious who some characters were, um, what happens at the end of that game, that kind of, in, in certain ways, recontextualizes the game. Not, not fully. Uh, but when it finally kind of comes to a head what the game is saying, I was um, very taken aback. I'll put it that way. Mm. So um, it, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, we'll talk about it more when we have our episode on it, but it, it is very, uh, I was talking with Wes about it because of course he was, he's the one who wanted us to play it. And, um, you know, I've early episodes of the podcast talked about mother one and two. So stoked to talk about three with him. Um, And I feel like it's a game with a lot of dichotomies because in some ways it is very similar to Mother 1 and 2. And in other ways, it is very different to Mother 1 and 2. Um, In some ways, it is very comedic and quirky. And just like I said last episode, it's one of the funniest games I've ever played. And in other ways, it is dark and, and goes to some places, you know, the, the talking about grief and death. Um, that, that so in 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 very good ways it has these kind of dual sides to it um that are kind of unassuming and and then uh, yeah i talked about it again last episode but so many like the translation for this game is so good um because there's so many puns that i don't know how they make it i don't know if this is a japanese pun because i don't know that it makes sense in japanese it makes sense in english so um that, that it was it was a very good experience um and and i have lots of feelings in in different ways so it's not like oh it's an amazing game it's like okay no there are things there, there are things that we need to kind of pull apart with it so um finished up mother 3 and been continuing on hitting pretty hard uh xenoblade chronicles 2 i'm still really enjoying it um uh, there is a lot it's a huge game so i feel like i've i'm barely into it uh, it's it. I have no idea how it intersects with the other Xenoblade games that I've played. Um, the story hasn't gone into any of that. Anything that's like similar to the other games, I'm sure. I know it's like a shared universe thing. It's not necessarily a, a continue. It's not necessarily a sequel. Um, but uh, I'm enjoying it. The 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 way that they do combat in this one too. There's a lot of different systems. I had to go to YouTube to kind of get some stuff explained. But once it's explained, it's it's actually really really cool the way that it all works together. So I am really digging that. Um, but that's basically all that I've played is just those two games. Um, in terms of reading, still a little bit of progress in Gentle and Lowly, but I am really appreciating that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, it's just it has some really good stuff to say um, and stuff that like comes up while like during my times of worship you know it's just being reminded of who god is so 
um, yeah, it's it's been really good, although I haven't finished it yet. And then also my wife approves. She got it for me. Uh, so the fact that I'm finally getting around to, to reading it, I'm sure she appreciates that as well. Um, and then listening, I listened to a book called, uh, here, I'm going to pull it up on my phone. Sorry, great radio. Um, uh, it, it's a book about culture. What is it called? A Practical Guide to Culture, uh, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Today's World. It has a lot, of, a lot of good thoughts. Um, it's kind of a little bit all over the place, but but it was it was an interesting read. He doesn't go into in depth into kind of any of the subjects, but he kind of touches on a number of different cultural subjects. So if you haven't like thought about the way that culture affects you and in a plethora of different ways, it can be helpful. But it is pretty. Um, it's 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 very much just an overview of a number of different things. It never really goes goes very deep, so it can be helpful. Um, but yeah, it was all right. Um, by a guy named John Stone Street, I believe his name was. Um, and then I tried to listen to something else, but I was so fatigued from recording and editing another audiobook on the side that I was like, I I can't listen to anyone mm. else talk in in audiobook talk anymore <laughs> like i need to go to podcasts so they sound like just conversational because my brain can't take it any longer so was that um, was that's that all. something that i had actually shared with you yes okay. yes i started i i listened to and and he's brett like he he delivers well his reading like it sounds mm. natural it is absolutely nothing against him my brain was just like, no, please. Uh, <laughs> no, there, there's very much like a, so I, you know, if, if you don't have anything else, I'll just take this opportunity to segue. Nope, nothing else. Yeah, mind. go for it. So, um, the book he's probably referring to, or that he is referring to is The Wisdom mm -hmm. Pyramid by yep. Brett McCracken. He wrote a book uh, a few years ago called uh, Hipster Christianity or Christian Hipster mm -hmm. or something like that. Um like 10, 10, 12 years ago, he wrote that one and I read it and it was sort of an interesting sort of examination of like, uh, at the time there was a, uh, the, the young restless reform stuff was really starting to kind of like ramp up. Um, the emergent church and young restless reform stuff was really kind of mm -hmm. ramping up. And there was a lot of like cultural and social activism going on. And there was a lot of where you would see basically churches partnering up with non- non-parachurch organizations in order to do good work. Like the one in particular that I was actually a part of for a while was Invisible Children, which their okay, primary yeah. mission was to rescue and to raise awareness about the, the children soldiers in the Congo and to mm -hmm. like fund rescuing them. Um, so that was, and it was stuff like that. And, and, and uh, hipster Christianity, um, I think that's the, the, but that, that one was about like, sort of how, like there are times when the church can sort of link arms with the world around them and sort of like do good works, but we aren't. And like, there are times when Christianity and sort of what it's about seems can be culturally cool, but we don't chase that. Like we just, when it happens, we're like, Hey, you know, this is cool. And then when the world sort of moves on to, to whatever, and so the the entire book is like sort of about that, um, but it's it's also been like I don't know ten years since I read it. So, um, but it was mm -hmm. it was an interesting book. Sort of caught caught my attention. I remembered reading and enjoying it. 
and I've followed uh, McCracken on social media for a while. And he was tweeting something out and uh, he had, had another book. And I don't think it's like new, new, new. Like I think it's his latest book, but I don't think it's like just dropped, but it is called The Wisdom Pyramid. And it's really, he's sort of, uh, I mean, for the audiobook version, it was like four hours, five hours to listen. Yeah. To so I think yeah, I listened to it in the space of like two days. Um, it doesn't seem like it's going to be like, I'm actually going to buy the the book um, because it's sort of falling into a space sort of like in, in pop theology and the self-help stuff that I kind of like when I'm not trying to wrestle with, like when I'm not trying to like just feel stupid and wrestle with texts that are like way above my, my, my weight class, like, you know, the principles mm -hmm. of conduct or, you know, the institutes or, you know, there's, there's really smart stuff that I try to read. And then I'm like, oh, I'm dumb. Um, but I feel, <laughs> I feel it's good to like throw yourself against that stuff every once in a while, like to hit the heavy bag. Right. Um, but like, uh, McCracken sort of falls between actually a book that we, Josh and I, you and I read and and I explained it this way. It sort of falls actually between two books for me, sort of, it's a, a little bit of like Jamie K Smith's, uh, or K A Smith's, uh, you are what you love and mm -hmm. Mike Easter's comfort crisis. It sort of falls between the two and his primary sort of area of examination is, um, sort of how we interact with social media. And there are these sort of like, I, I think he gives five like realms where he's like, you know, basically sort of saying like, there are these five and he uses the food pyramid as sort of a, you know, example, but he, he, he it's, it's his, it, anyways, the illustration isn't all that great, but he basically says like, you know, the, the fact of the matter is like, we sort of have, we're, we're a little topsy turvy in today's culture. And he doesn't go out and just say like social media is terrible. We need to completely abscond from it. He actually says we just need to develop a healthy relationship with it. And he's like, and that means mm -hmm. actually understanding what it is and using it sparingly and wisely. Um, and yeah. so he talks about like the different sort of foundations of wisdom, uh, starting in scripture, then moves on to the church then natural revelation, then I think he even sort of just says like touches into like broader cultural stuff. Um, and then he's sort of la the last little category he touches on is like social media. He's like, can it be helpful? Can it be a tool? He's like, social media does a lot of really cool things. Um, but it's also, it's like drinking from the fire hose. And mm -hmm. it's in a lot of ways, I don't think he ever specifically phrases it this way, but he touches on sort of, I think what Mark Garcia from the Greystone, um, uh, the Greystone Institute has, has said before where part of the problem of social media is that, and again, this is me sort of synthesizing what McCracken and Garcia would say, but Part of the problem is what social media does is it throws a ton of information at you, like tons and tons and tons. Of, and it's, it's almost a functional omniscience. And what we don't understand, and, and sort of this actually ties back to like, I've become much more of a localist in my perspective, politically, socially, well, all, but, but what we don't sort of come to grips with is you are not designed to one like there's some people who can operate on a very like large bandwidth and who can sort of like operate with like tons of like fires in the iron. It's like, but most people, 
have a very limited frame. And the the dilemma is that you have all of this input coming in, all of this social media stuff, and there's all this knowledge. And knowledge ultimately requires action. Like so it's like when you when you mm-hmm. receive information, you need to do something with that. So when we hear about the Ukraine, you need to do something with that. When you hear about whatever, you need to do something with that. And part and it's not to say that like everything and part of even like the wokeism and all the the junk we see on social media. Anyways, part of the problem that we're really sort of dealing with when it comes to social media is there like you're drinking from the fire hose. There's just all this information. In a lot of ways, you're absolutely impotent in your ability to act on m- most of it, like 90% yeah. of it. Whereas the things that you can actually do and act on around you you're not paying attention to because the fire hose is just like blasting you full in the face. And we keep going back to the fire hose. And so like our, our hearts and our minds and our souls are sort of like decaying a little bit because like the context in which we're supposed to be investing in and flourishing and like our local communities, our local churches, like the people beside us, like we're neglecting them. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, but he basically like, it's, it's a really sort of interesting book. And again, it just sort of like, I really liked it. It's a quick, pretty easy read. I mean, McCracken gets a little hippy dippy, uh, especially when he's talking about like natural okay. revelation and, and nature. And I mean, I appreciate it. I'm also kind of like, mm, I, I wouldn't go that, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but I really thought what he brought was pretty refreshing. Um, because he's saying like, Hey, no, it's like, and he's not even saying he's like, some people probably should just step away from social media altogether. He's like, but for most of us, it's really learning to put this thing in its proper place. And as a sort of a source of wisdom or information or whatever, it, it needs to be at the top of the pyramid, not because it's the best, but because it's what we ought to be engaging with the least. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I really, and it's sort of like you pair it with like things like digital minimalism and I I don't know, like I said, it's one of those books where I liked it enough listening to it that I was like, I need, I'm going to get a physical copy of this because it's like one of those ones I'm going to go through and like earmark and underline and think about because I think some of his theses are really cool. Um, that being said, that's that's been my, yeah, I, I mean, and that's sort of like, like, I mean, that's my wheelhouse. Like, it's like when, like, like I, I love thinking about the way we interact with media in general. That's, I mean, that's, you know, part of what we do every (laughs) week. Here we are. (laughs) And and here we are. Um, And and we're going to get there. But uh, in, in sort of lighter fare, there's a comic book series that I've been reading called uh, uh, Shaolin Cowboy. Um, It's, it's really weird. The main character is like half John Wayne, half uh, Shemp from the Three Stooges, or maybe Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> like he's also Shaolin Monk that just like he has like a, a chainsaw bow staff. It is absurdist. Like so, a pole saw? Uh, no, it's a bow staff with two chainsaws on the end of it. <laughs> like chainsaws on each end so it's like two pole saws put together and yeah. um it's it's absurd and it's not pretty I, it's not like one of those things i'd recommend if you like the kind of like weird things that i like and you know it's like <laughs> like when i talk about like really bizarre books and you're like oh no i like that thing that nate read um 
yeah, this is this is up there. Uh, another thing, and it's like it's this is not an open handed recommendation. It's like ah, I'm reading it and I like it and it's weird and I know it is. Uh, it's absurdist and just kind of I don't. I it's it's like it's it's a comic book, but it's like hard into that like the the new weird um, kind of fiction that I'm into. Uh, but then sort of in something that's a little not as weird, but, and here's the problem, right? With this, this next one, this is not a recommendation. This is just saying, I watched it. I enjoyed it. And in many cases, I would say for most people probably shouldn't. Uh, but I watched, uh, the Sandman on Netflix by Neil Gaiman's. I knew that's where you were going. And I, here's the thing. I love Neil Gaiman and Mm -hmm. like, if I believed in guilty pleasures, he's my guilty pleasure. That man like <laughs> writes and I'm like, I'm going to buy the book and I'm going to read it even though I probably shouldn't. Um, because he's just such a, a stinking talent um, mm. that I just, I love the way that he, he sort of like he hammers, he he's a wordsmith. He's, he's a mm. real master of his craft and he's just, he's a narrative genius and freaking Sandman is awesome. Like, if you like Neil Gaiman and you can and consume his stuff in good conscience, conscience, the Sandman on Netflix is pretty much. There are some changes, but none of it is super substantial. Um, there are some. There were some issues. Like the the one thing that I know some people were kind of. Not up in arms, but a little frustrated with was the the shift from John Constantine to Joanna, and that has actually mm-hmm. more to do with like the who holds the legal rights to John Constantine. Like uh, we were talking about a little bit in in our our one chat, Josh with Wes, and John Constantine shows up in the CW, so his television rights are actually held by a different company, and unless they released mm-hmm. that to the Netflix production studios, like. So that that's more of a legal thing than anything else. And um but and I mean there's there's some like some of the characters in the comic book they're portrayed as like white or whatever, but in okay. in the show they're black. And it's like it's it's not a substantial difference. It doesn't pl- change the way that that character plays or the interacts. Mm-hmm. What I will say is that um in this first collection, it goes all the way up through the the first Rose Walker saga or series. Um, and if anybody's familiar with that, two of those are two of those arcs or like stories are the John D story in particular uh, is really pretty intense, and then the actual yeah. sort of the culmination of Rose Walker's story is pretty intense. So, like, again, I'm not. Anybody who's like paying attention, you're not going to watch this with your kids, <laughs> like unless your kids are. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, like just like it's not really trigger warnings. They're they're heavy, and they're it's like they're mm-hmm. like they're a little grotesque at times. Not super. Uh, th- th- actually, like, and it's it's weird because like, I mean, Gaiman's a pagan. He just he just mm-hmm. is. And he he's like, but the 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 actual sexual content is pretty minimal and pretty tame. Okay, there's not a lot of like, um, but in I don't think there was really anything super perverse in any of the stories that they tell. Actually, well, but yeah, it's 
if you like Neil Gaiman and you like the Sandman stories, I found these to be a really pretty spot on adaptation of like the first, I don't know. It's like the first two, two volumes or whatever. I don't know. Like there's, it's, it's hard to, because it was, it was a bunch of comic books and then they did like trade paperbacks. And I think it's like, it's up to like book three, three or four. Yeah. I read the first trade paperback and I think that goes through him getting all his, uh, things back his his objects of power or his marks yeah. of his office because like, his that's mask what I his ruby in his bag yeah and then i watched mm-hmm. the first episode of the netflix thing and i thought wow this is really good i'm gonna keep watching it i just haven't got back to it yet um it's, did you watch american gods nate i want to i want to so badly my problem with american gods is that one it's a it's a cinemax and they lean really heavily into like the fan servicey bits, and there's that uh, there's the one um, I can't remember her name, but the the Babylonian uh, goddess yeah. that she's pretty graphic, but it, I yeah. just was like, I I want to that, that's a book. Like, I don't think I mean here's I watched it and. I sort of, by the end of it, I was like, okay, whatever. The concept is brilliant. Hmm. But the story, eh, it wasn't, it wasn't as good as I wanted it the, to be. Have, have you read the book? Cause the no. book is, the book is masterful. Like the book is brilliant. The concept is just fascinating. Oh dude, it's, it's super rad. Um, Josh, do you know what it is? No. No, I, I mean, I know that, that American Gods old, was a TV gods. show. But. They're the old gods, and then there's modern gods that are like um, media is a god. Okay. And there's like, uh, there's trains, yeah. um, like, well, the trains actually oh. fall into the older pan- pantheon. In the in the show, like, I know that, but it's like transportation, like all of like the different booms, like fame right. and like okay. internet. And every everything like sort of all of the and the the new gods so like technology. media technology yeah. they're actually in sort of like a shadow war with the old gods but they're all ideas they're all the personifications of these ideas these things that we worship right and mm-hmm. it's a really fascinating sort of yeah Eric read the book because okay. I think you'd really like the book <laughs> um, and the book is a heck of a story. Um, hmm. and that was part of my problem was like, when I saw that they were running that thing, like three seasons long, I was like, there's not three seasons in mat- like, <laughs> ah. like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, anyways. Yeah. American gods though. I really like, because I know you like it, Eric, I'm like, read it because I know you like Neil Gaiman and you, you know, but it's also one of those things where I'm like. This is not carte blanche. There are a lot of people who should not read that book. Like, yeah. <laughs> just the, the, yeah. that's like one of those like heavily gated sort of material for me. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyways, lastly, as far as games I've been playing, and we'll sort of uh, to round this out. Uh, I have been pretty light on gaming lately. It's been Mother Three, 
last night for a few hours. And then uh, the the weeks prior, I sat down and I played Monster Hunter World with my brother a couple of times um, and, mm-hmm. and Parker. And that that's really been it. Like I've just kind of been, I've been struggling on that. Like I've just, you know, Eric, you were saying like, sometimes you just like, you, you play what you feel. And like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I don't feel like playing anything. But because of the nature of this podcast and there's a whole bunch of games, it's like, and I, I enjoy, I'm enjoying my time in them. It's just, yeah. Anyways, all that being said, um, sort of rounding out and Eric, I know that you aren't doing the, the beat down. You don't sort of really do, do the meta. Um, but Josh, have you sort of, is there any updates to your beat down score? Are you still at like negative 12 or whatever it was? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, now it's, now it's negative 13. I haven't picked up anything else, but, uh, finished mother three. And so since I, I purchased that from Amazon Japan, the tail end of last year, it counts for this mm-hmm. year. Dang it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that was one. So one, an extra negative point. Okay. Um, my score takes, an, there is another update because I okay. picked up another thing. Uh, Code Vein was on sale for like 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12 bucks. And I, it's like, I like Souls likes. I like the yeah. Souls genre as a general rule. And I've heard that this is a pretty like top shelf Souls like. Um, and it's got co op. So Deuce, yeah, Deuce or Parker and I. I, I actually I think it's only two man co op, but like I'll probably roll through that with one of them at some point. Um, so that puts my beatdown score at negative three. I like as soon as like okay. as soon as we like, and that's the thing. I was like sort of doing some math. As soon as we get like Monster Hunter World, uh, I, last time I looked down on how long to beat, it's over thirty five hours. So that'll as soon as we roll credits on that, which will put me at negative five again. And then I'm sitting on mother three and I've got like, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like once I actually start sort of feeling things again, there will be a whole bunch of stuff just sort of flying off and, and I'll get that back down to a, a much more respectable number. But mm-hmm. speaking of the beatdown, uh, GG app is the official app of the backlog beatdown. We like the GG app. We like its creator, Charles Watson, or as uh, we have come to sort of affectionately name him, Chuckle Dubs. Uh, GG <laughs> is a letterboxed app for your video game collections. Uh, you can do custom lists. You can sort of see what your friends are playing. You can rate and review uh, and, and sort of uh, all, all the different games. There's all sorts of different sort of sorting cr- criterias. It's a pretty cool app. Um, he actually has a, there's a free tier where there's no... Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, it's a name. It's free, um, but he also offers an elite option. And uh, you know, for if you were interested in sort of checking out, it's five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year. Uh, with the elite tier, uh, you get a unique role in his Discord server. You get access to early builds and stuff. Um, it's it's a cool app. And again, like I said, we love Charles. We love GG app, and uh, we really think you ought to check it out if you're not already on it. Uh, and other things that we hope you like. It, it's it's us. We hope you like us. If you're listening to this um, and you've already subbed, you've already rated and reviewed us and you've already done the sharing and the caring, um, you know, and you're looking for a way to sort of go a little bit above and beyond. We have a tip jar. Actually, well, it's, yeah, think of it as a tip jar, but we have a Patreon. Um, 
we have actually one of our patrons on here. Eric has been a patron for a while now. Um, and you know, we don't really set a price on it, but patrons, you know, there's exclusive content. So you get early and uncut access to every one of these episodes. There's usually a video feed unless we have in our last book club episode, there was some technical hijinks and that kind of made the, the actual book club episode a, a moot point. It was not happening. Um, but there's, uh, like there's, there's an exclusive podcast called the bro hang that's available to patrons. Um, like I said, and there's a little bit more access to us as a general. One of the perks is, uh, you know, we were talking about this off mic, but there's still a pile of games that we sort of, we played Dragon Quest Eleven earlier this year. That was actually a patron nomination. Um, and so we've got to get an episode done for that. But then, you know, we've still got a couple of patron games to sort of get going here. Um, and, you know, again, it's just one of those things that if you like what we do and you'd like to go a little bit above and beyond, you know, it's there. Last but definitely not least, we are proud members of the Playwell Network alongside our friends Wesley. Miss, no, I, I'm, I'm correcting myself. Mr. Wes, the henchin dad himself, a.k.a. Wesley Ray, the man, the myth, the legend, and, and our friend uh, Paul Lytle, the artist currently known as the Techno Funk Boy. Uh, they both have... Uh, some podcast media in general and uh paul's in the in the midst of sort of i think rebooting some of his stuff potentially wes has got a whole bunch of henshin dad stuff and uh i don't know if it's going to be a, a pwncast or not if he wants to uh, affiliate with us but he's got another project sort of in the works that i'm pretty sure he is super excited to sort of unleash on all of us but we love them and uh, we love those guys we like what they do and uh, we really think that you would uh, benefit from checking out their stuff. With that being said, here's a word from one of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, may I have a moment of your time to talk about the wonder and beauty of tokusatsu? See, tokusatsu is a Japanese word for special effects and usually refers to those super fun TV shows you watched as a kid with those heroes wearing spandex and those giant rubber monsters with cool explosions and awesome transformations. <sighs> so cool. I happen to be a big fan of it and run a podcast about the entire genre. So if you could just, like, I don't know, subscribe and, and take a listen to my episodes, I'd greatly appreciate it. It's called the Henshin Dad Podcast, and it's it's kind of awesome. <laughs> or at least my, my mom thinks so, but she still hasn't reviewed it on iTunes yet. No. But anyway, thanks for your time. Just just check it out, the Henshin Dad Podcast. It's on Anchor, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, Okay, okay bye! And... We're back. So the, the the title of the episode, dear listener, because I'm assuming you are smart and you can read. Maybe maybe you haven't checked it out. Maybe it's just like it pops in your feed and you just like you you're like hit play. I don't even care what they're talking about. I just love those boys and their dulcet tones. Um, at which point in time, I'm like, you probably ought to get your ears checked or you're not listening to this podcast. Um, I don't know uh, where I was going with that. Self-deprecation There's is a beautiful thing. No um, dulcidity in these tones yes no dolce in in these tones um but so the 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 whole title here right, is it uh not just a toy and we uh brought on our friend eric bryan in part because he was sort of like the inspiration for this conversation like i mentioned uh before he and i a couple of weeks ago we were chatting on uh psm party chat and um it was like we were sort of just talking about like some of the the age gap stuff, and um, 
just like, because he is a little older than us. Um, and it was just interesting because he was talking like sometimes, well, Eric, you, you know, you've said it before, sometimes like we're, yes. we're, you're sort of like on the same page and you're like, yes. And then we start talking about anime and you're like, what are you guys on? <laughs> but that sort of got us into the topic of, you know, just even the, the way that you sort of were, were sharing with me about how your parents look at games and it's almost like now sort of even now you have these conversations with them where they're like they it's like you still do that almost like in amazement or sort of like just befuddled um with it and i think some of that is some of that is just maybe a bit of an insurmountable gap um like when we did the 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 ns nes nostalgia episode i did share um a little bit of an anecdote about how my dad plays like uh here's a might and magic four or whichever one he like he plays that all the time and like he stayed up too late playing tetris one night and screwed up his eyeballs and had to had to get pay for not one but two eye doctor's appointments and uh two classes um but anyways um but even there my dad has just like I'd probably say over the last like 10, 15 years, I've sort of worn him down. And I, and I, in the sense that I think he understands that there's a little bit more of, there's something more there than just what he was used to or what he, like, even in sort of looking at like the, the original NES, um, mm-hmm. because as far as like the tools and just, uh, the, just the, the capabilities of the, of game video games in general, as far as being like narrative, uh, narrative experiences. Um, there's a lot more there. Um, but we, we thought, you know, like there, there's a whole pile of stuff in here. And so Mm -hmm. why don't we just start at sort of the beginning and sort of like saying like, like confront some of the, the, I guess some of this and just saying like, well, you know, it's looked at as being a, a toy and I, I'm like, here's, here's the problem. I'm fiddling with my pen, but I'm also looking for a segue and thinking about that passage. When I was a, when I was a child, I spoke like yes. a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And the, 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 the problem here is that it doesn't necessarily and like a lot of times people will appeal to that as saying you need to stop playing video games or you need to sort of put this away and i think what's inherent in, in that is like the it doesn't specify the things it doesn't say i put away all my toys and you know sort of even referencing it says i put away childish things which potentially could mean i put away childish attitudes and childish interactions and childish behaviors and that yes. in, sort of actually brings me to C.S. Lewis. And again, we, we've referenced this fairly recently where, um, and I wish I would have pulled up the, the actual quote, but he has that quote about like fairy stories. And he's like, when I was a child, you know, I read fairy stories. And then there was a point in time where he sort of in, in an attempt to grow up, he sort of, I, I felt like I put, I needed to put them away. And he's like, and eventually I sort of got old enough and smart enough and savvy enough to understand that I just put away the notion that I actually couldn't enjoy these stories, that there wasn't something beneficial and good in them. And so I think, there is that you can fall into the side where it's like you, you are trying to justify this right to mm-hmm. parents or mm-hmm. 
people around you. Or you can just sort of have like an honest dialogue and say like, well, it's, it's not just a toy. It, it is so much more than that. And, and, and again, some of that might be insurmountable just because like, you know, sort of going back to the, like, when we talk about anime, Eric, you just, you're just like, I no, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> just like, you nope right out of there. Um, but at the same time, you know, like the, there's, there, there are reasonable conversations to be had here. So mm-hmm. with all of that sort of framing and all that, like, let's, let's jump into this. Like, let's, let's sort of chew on this one for a little bit. Do you guys have any sort of thoughts to, to like jumping off points that you want to hit, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that was a, that was a good opening to kind of frame some of the discussion because I know I had some of the questions that I'm, uh, I, I say wrestling with not necessarily like that I'm that I'm struggling to wrestle with, but I think there's a good honest conversation to be had here um, because we don't want to overreact and in and like not be able to take criticism because by and large there are lots of people who play video games and play them in very childish ways and like I mean like look at there's a reason why gamers are seen as you know the 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 xbox lobby of the world you know what i mean like like the way that that people talk to each other when they're playing call of duty which is you know one of the most popular video games of all of all time so um there is legitimate criticism and i don't want to downplay that but i also want to be honest when evaluating these things you know especially when we nate thank you so much for for bringing out the scripture like first also especially when we look at scriptures like that that address these sort of topics we want to be honest right we don't want to have kind of our our pet things that that like oh no god can't speak into this like no we want to if this is something good like we should be able to enjoy it openly and if it is something that's good we should be able to enjoy it as something that god has created that's good like as a blessing you know, so um, I think with that scripture that you pulled out, it's interesting. The way that you quoted it was interesting, and I agree with your conclusions. But um, that childish things that you were talking about there is from the King James Version. So the King James Version says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Um, if you look at other translations, um, I'm just going to pull up the ESV real quick. What it says is that uh, love bears all things. Nope, that's different. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So it makes it clear when you just compare the translations because English changes over time. It makes it clear that those things are not, he's not talking about a, a toy. You know, Paul there, especially in the context of First Corinthians 13, he's he's talking about loving others, right? He's talking about um, the, the gifts of the Spirit. Love never ends. Prophecies will pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it'll pass away. We know in part, we prophesy in part. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. So he, he is specifically talking about the, like you said, Nate, these attitudes, these ways um 
the ways that he related to different things. And really, he's using that as an analogy. Um, the childish things, the childish way that he used to process life, um, and now the way that he sees things, he's using that as an analogy of now we have the mystery revealed in Christ. So it's not even that the point of this passage is give up all of your, you know, all of your kitty toys. That's not at all what he's saying. He's actually just using that to, uh, as an analogy for the way that God has um, given him more revelation through Jesus, right? That that now, that, that even now we see as a mirror dimly. I mean, th- he goes on to say that. Um, but he's talking about how, you know, Jesus has revealed who the Father is. So with all that being said, um, it's, an, it's not to dismiss that passage out of hand, but it is also to say that, that uh, you don't want to take that out of context, right? I don't think that is a... Um, a legitimate uh, a verse that says don't play video games. You know, I don't, I don't know that it really has anything to do with it. Although I think on the other hand, we should evaluate the way in which we engage with any form of entertainment, any form of recreation, um, considering that we should not be childish in the ways that we do those things. But I do feel like uh, I'm rambling a bit so, um, are there any other, uh, Eric? Yeah. Like yeah. I, say something. you know, the whole thing is, it's a, it's a call to maturity. Yes. Um, but I would say, I guess I could see somebody applying that verse if they saw video games as toys or childish mm-hmm. things, which there mm-hmm. are still people that do i mean general my my point with nate when we were talking was generally i think it's of of an older generation than Mm -hmm. even me um but you you have to understand that so when when i was a kid you had to go to the arcade to to Mm -hmm. do these things you know and it cost quarters and so you're like mom dad can i have some money to play this game you know um and it's just sort of you're just having fun, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. else going on. Um, it was just fun. Even though there were some of them had stories, but they were very, you know, surfacey. Um, yeah. And then we got Atari 2600. Well, those games are really just toys. Let's be honest. They're just mm-hmm. toys. There's no, there's no significant storytelling going on there. It was about skill and just having fun competition was part of it um but they that's that's what they saw video games as now as as i'm older now i've tried to tell them and even show them with youtube and stuff and they get it it's oh you know they've they've grown a lot it's a lot different than, than from those atari things but but neither my my mom or my dad ever really i mean my dad might have but he doesn't he doesn't play video games he never really has mm-hmm. and my mom's not interested so that's how they see it and they you know they accept when i tell them oh no they're you know they've grown much they're sophisticated ways of st- telling stories now mm-hmm. um they're much more and they're like okay but default they're just going to see it as 
all right, that's just something you do um, mm-hmm. to have fun for a while. And and again, let's be honest, a lot of games, that's what they are. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uh, we got a lot of phone games. My mom uh, <laughs> does play Candy Crush. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. She refuses to give them a nickel. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. And she's been, and, well, I've said to her, Mom, just give them 10 bucks. She's been playing Candy Crush for years. Yeah. And she'll just, if she's, you know, she's stuck on the one level, she'll just play it every day. <laughs> for months until she gets past it or she used to when i was there with the kids she'd hand it to my son or daughter and go can you get past this level for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we would just laugh and i and i was like mom throw them 10 bucks just mm-hmm. to get past the, how long have you been playing that level and she'd be like oh i don't know and I'm like three months hasn't it? it's been three months <laughs> yeah but i'm not giving them a dime yeah. just throw them 10 bucks come on what is the principle <laughs> yeah, that's, there's that's a part it. of me that like i said my my initial reaction is like good yeah <laughs> i know like, but, don't give them no, anything yeah yeah no quarter. so then so so for me though so they started out as toys, mm-hmm. and then I grew up, you know, and and we had so when when I got out of law school, my wife got me an NES. It was eighty eight. Okay, um, she got me an NES, which came out of nowhere for me because she's never been a gamer. She doesn't care but she's just just not interesting to her and she thought it was hilarious because you know what i did for my bachelor party (laughs) we went to an arcade we actually went to a bowling alley because they had an arcade there we just played video Mm. games that was my bachelor party and she thought that was hilarious and i'm like so what that's what i wanted to do you know so anyway um, yeah. so she got it and then she got me an NES one day I came home and she's like, here, I got this. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And she said, yeah, cause I, she understood that I needed to de-stress by playing, mm. playing mm-hmm. something. And I said, this is, that's mm-hmm. really cool. That blew me away. So then when we had kids, of course I incorporated that into what we did sometimes as a family, even though, you know, my wife didn't participate, but I incorporated that into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there, there's so many facets to this. It's not just one thing. And when somebody, you can tell when somebody's just seeing it as one thing, it's like, they're not, they're just not thinking this through. Um, Because yes, I mean, those, those old Nintendo Nintendo games tend to be more toyish. There's not, mm-hmm. you know, at least the older ones, the Mario's and stuff. There's not mm-hmm. any kind of significant storytelling. They're just they're skill based mostly, and so those are more toy like than mm-hmm. other really interactive story games that we've we've gotten later. Um, but so, and I'm a big movie guy. I mean, I've always gone yeah. to theaters. I still go to theaters. I went to theaters during COVID. I wasn't going to give that up. Um, that's just something. And my son has got that from me. So we go together. We go to movies all the time. And nice. Um, 
I have said, my, my, my wife was sort of uh, in, uh, surprised by this. I said, yeah, um, games can tell a story much more effectively, mm-hmm. depending on the story, but much more effectively than movies. Because my wife likes movies too, and that's something she can relate mm-hmm. to. So I'll relate, yeah. try to try, you know, say it, it's a game can be like an interactive movie where you have some agency and stuff. And that just makes it, that affects you more. Um, yeah. And just being passive in a theater. Although I love that experience. Um, gaming mm-hmm. with some of the more heavy storytelling games is, can have more of, of uh, an emotional effect and, and other types of effects on you. And of course, when my kids were young, we did the educational type games um, and my wife enjoyed, yep. you know, that. So, th- I mean, it, there's just, it's not a one size fits all. So when you hear somebody mm-hmm. saying, Oh, video games are for children. And you know, if you're, if you're a man, you should put that away. They just don't get it. Either they're, they're in denial or nobody's really explained it to them. They're talking out mm-hmm. of ignorance because I would say to them, well, I'll be honest. Yes. Yeah, some games are just toys. And mm-hmm. if, if you're an adult, it's not that there's no place for toys in your life. Um, mm-hmm. Play is good. Recreation is good. That's a gift from God. Um, and that's a whole nother topic that, mm-hmm. that Nate and I have, have sort of, we haven't really talked deeply about it, but leisure and recreation, that's a part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. You just have to put it in its proper place. Um, and so that's part of what gaming is. Um, mm-hmm. It's, But it, it's a lot of different things, and there's a lot of different types of games. Um, so you can't just, you know, treat it in one way. Um, but I think we have to admit that, yeah, some games are just toys. They're fun. They're just fun. You play them mm-hmm. for fun. Um, and that's the only reason. There's nothing wrong with that if you're not doing it to excess, if it's in the right spot. Nate? Well, and I think sort of the the, the touching point here is like in, sort of in talking about sort of maturity, like there are some interesting like points of contact right so we were talking about like the 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 sort of the immersive interactive nature of games and and the the way that that can leverage storytelling and actually make storytelling more impactful and i think like you know especially some of like you know there's always that that conversation like the games is art stuff um you know mm-hmm. and you have the, the the famous example shadow of the colossus um but then you have games like the original bioshock you have um, even in sort of like The Last of Us, uh, the original, not The Last of Us Part One or stuff, but like part of the impact of those games is that you are, yes, you as the player are sort of acting through this avatar, but you are ultimately the the agent here of of these decisions. And like in some ways, that makes the impact. Like I I remember uh, just sort of like and the the way that it sort of it adds some weight. Because it's not, it's not, you aren't just a, a mere sort of like participant or like a mere observer. You are a participant in this. And like, you, you again, the, the, the issue of agency. And I think what's sort of interesting is, is like when people want to dismiss it as mere toys, it, yeah, there, there is definitely an issue of like ignorance 
there where it's like they are sort of speaking out of a position of ignorance. But I, I would also say like, it seems to me too that a lot of like, especially like, you know, and I'm not trying to, a lot of the guys in like the patriarchy movement, like when well, they'll sort of like fire their shots against like, oh, you know, quit playing video games, you know, it's, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but some of these guys, when I've read them or I've seen their stuff, like when they talk about video games, it's very dismissive. It's very puerile. It's very whatever. And there's, there's a level of that that criticism that we need to hear because it, like, like, I mean, in sort of being even honest about this conversation, it's like, I mean, I would, and again, this is just sort of anecdotally, even based on sort of my own consumption and my own use of the medium at times. Right. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. like, it's so easy to slip into excess. So, so easy. And yes. especially culturally where we have a sort of unhinged relationship with entertainment and recreation as a general, like we have Mm -hmm. a a really unhealthy relationship with pleasure and like pleasure has become like the, the the ends to the mean, like it is the end. It is not, it is not a means. It is not something to be used or some, but it is like the thing to pursue. There is a sort of an idolatry of pleasure and it's in, in our culture and entertainment sort of feeds into that. And so whether it's like, you know, there's actually, um, you know, I was mentioning Micah, he and I were actually talking about, uh, and again, I, I won't name the individual. And this is not anybody that we know. This is not a guy, but he's a, he's a sort of a, a voice in uh, sort of games commentary stuff. And this is actually a dude, I really enjoy his takes on it. Like his, his enthusiasm for the genre is like really cool, but he is actually like sometimes when I, I'm reading his like, social media stuff i'm like i can hear i can see the depression and it's like and dude part of the like and he's this this guy in particular has even said like he he struggles with depression and there's a part of me it's like it's because you are relying on film you're relying on games you're relying on entertainment as your functional god and when that isn't constantly sort of like you know filling you up and sort of like you're like it's sort of you're you're forced to sort of deal with the emptiness of your existence. And mm-hmm. I think sort of even in talking about the, 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 the childishness, right. And, and like the easy one is like, and sort of putting away the childish ways is that we, we approach this, you know, and uh, popcorn theology at one time sort of like, you know, had their whole, don't be a mindless consumer thing. And mm-hmm. that's exactly the point. Don't be a mindless consumer. Like they, that's like nailed it on, on that. Um, is that you are supposed to be an intentional consumer. Like mm-hmm. you, it's not, don't be a consumer. It's like, be aware of what you're consuming. And even sort of yeah. the Brett McCracken book that I, I was sort of talking about when we were giving our backlog report, it's like, part of it is like being very intentional about the way that we engage these things. Right. And so when I see these dudes like taking shots and be like, you know, video games are for, you know, wimps and all this other crap. I'm like, well, some of them. And this is the flesh and I need to sort of like kill some of this. Some of them I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that I could pick you up and throw you around and I'm not even in the best shape of my life. So try again. (laughs) You know, it's like you want to talk about like masculinity and being productive and all this other stuff. Like, like I'm pretty sure I could work you under the table and I enjoy video games and I think there's a place for them. And I I think, and it's so easy for us to like even sort of in, in the culture, right. To be like, well, 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 what about your football? 
because the easy comparison point is like there are dudes who watch like when football season's in, they're watching four to six hours of football a week easily. Like if if they're if they're watching one game that's at least three or four hours, if they're watching two, three, four games, you know, like just tons of it. And that's like mm-hmm. that's non I don't want to say non-redeemable, but that's just like just shot down. And it's like it's like it's so easy to just sort of want to hit back. But mm-hmm. I think in in saying like it can be, yes, it can be that. It absolutely can be that, right? It yeah. absolutely can be a toy. But I, I, it can be more than that. And frankly, I'm much more interested in just sort, sort of like helping people and, you know, starting with myself, obviously, but like engaging all of media in a much more healthy and mature way. And sort of mm-hmm. like, one, this is not a thing that defines me. Like I've even sort of come to reject, like I had somebody a while ago say, they like it came up that I played video games. They were like, so you're a gamer. And I was like, I don't know that I like that label because that's not like is our video games like probably my primary source of recreation. Yeah. It's like, that's probably like the default thing that I go to when I sort of want to like de-stress or when I want to sort of like, just like, you know, it is my primary means. Like it is my primary medium, but I don't know that I necessarily like it being an identified, like, that even that's sort of touching in the whole identity stuff where it's like, you know, people are like, sort of like I'm a gamer and it almost sort of like, it becomes very tribal there. And I'm like, I don't Mm. know that I want to be part of that tribe. Like I'm a Christian. (laughs) Like that's what, that's what I am. If there's got to be a mark on me, if there's got to be like an identifier, uh, I belong to Christ. And so, you, you know, that's the thing that actually matters and everything else sort of falls you, you know, uh, like, you know, are there identifying tags that you can like, yeah, absolutely. But the one thing that will absolutely never fade. And I think part of it starts with, with even some of that and like the way we, we sort of identify ourselves, like yeah. to a certain extent, like if I identify as a gamer and again, I'm not trying to like throw shade here, or be unkind or on, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, think it's but like if i would just sort of even sort of question that assumption like if you identify primarily like you're like i'm a gamer like, eh, that's the wrong starting point you know mm-hmm. that's just me um i mean that's it, part of the conversation there i mean there's so much in there you know where it's like yeah yeah so, it, it sure it's a part of of how you choose to spend your time but Right to put that, especially especially as like a primary identifier, um, it, it does kind of show more of a. I would agree that leans more towards an unhealthy relationship with the medium because you put that in in it, just like any other kind of uh, entertainment. Because I, I I view video games through this, um, or I put it in this category of recreation of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, which from there you can kind of decide like how much, where its place in your life goes under that, under that, um, umbrella. And so like, okay, you mentioned, you mentioned watching moving, excuse me, watching movies. Like, do you identify yourself as a, as a film lover? Like, sure. I mean, it's something you enjoy doing, 
but is that like, like, is your identity found in that? You know, is, is, is that really what you want to be known as like a part of you? Sure. It's the same deal, you know, like football fan. Like, is that, is that what you're known as, or is that just a part of how you choose to spend your time? You know what I mean? If that was taken away, would you be a different person? How about that? Okay. Flip, flip that around. I don't, I don't think I would be a different person if I were to, to, after tonight, like never play a video game again in my life. I don't think I'd be a different person. Uh, honestly, I think uh, I would fill that hole with other forms right. of entertainment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's just, exactly. you know, for better or worse. Um, but I do think there is a place and that's, you know, we talk about this on the podcast all the time. I think there's a place, especially in the Christian life for um, the proper place of recreation. Um, we were made to rest, you know, there's, there's that as well. And so we have these cycles of, of recreation. Um, and, and we can debate the, the merits of entertainment in general, but I, yeah, I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so when, when you say that something is, 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 is just a toy, like it, it, to dismiss it that that's what it is when you say something is a toy just to simply dismiss it um i would push back on that and kind of kind of dig into that a little bit deeper because even toys like board games okay board games are toys right you don't get anything out of them but there are good things that can have like i love the time that i get to spend with friends playing a board game. I can think of a time when we had some friends come in from out of town and we played this little escape room game and we had so much fun. Like you're even kind of role playing as other characters while you're doing this little escape room. Like we had a blast, you know, it built our friendship and it's not that that's what our friendship is based on, but it is something I I believe when it's put in its proper place that can, that can help. It's something that you just enjoy together it's it's a blessing in in that sense. Um, now, can you use it? Can you be a child would engage with that in a way that that does become their everything, right? That they would want to overindulge, and and I say would want to, if you know, if there were if there were no other restraint, uh, primarily by the right. parents, right? Um, then they would, okay. I think that's that's alive in all of us that we want to continuously engage in entertainment, especially when our culture kind of uh, puts entertainment on a pedestal. And I do think we also have to be honest that this medium is inherently addictive in many ways, especially nowadays. There are games that are made with addictive properties in mind. You know, it mm-hmm. intentionally makes you feel good when you do certain things. Um, I mean, and one of my, yeah. I was going to say one of my favorite games that uh, it just sort of like, I think I've even basically called it um, basically a virtual slot machine. Okay. I'm going to put my pen down because I cannot keep it in my hand and I keep um, uh, Diablo three. It's basically mm-hmm. that dopamine loop. It's like yeah. kill things, get more loot, kill things, get more loot. And it's like, it is mm-hmm. the same thing as if I'm just sitting in Vegas and just like cranking on that slot machine arm, you know, and just like mm-hmm. watch the numbers go around. Did I get anything? Watch the numbers go around. Um, so it's, yeah, it's engineered basically to sort of like keep 
me sort of like in that that loop. I I do mm-hmm. want to sort of like double back though too, and sort of like you said something, Josh, and I and I'd like to maybe. I don't know how much there is really to explore some of this, but like, I I thought this would be a good point to maybe like pause on for me, but like a lot of people that, that it's just a toy sort of phrasing. And again, this is just, but like, it is really meant to dismiss this. It's meant to sort of like, so that they don't have to meaningfully engage or rethink the parameters here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, and so it's, it's kind of one of those things where, and again, that's sort of the, the entire sort of, ethos of everything that we do is really to sort of like poke at this thing and ask questions and, and maybe sort of wrestle with our, our personal relationships with this stuff. Okay. Sort of again, going to like the football thing, like, you know, where you have somebody who watches a ton of football and somebody's like, you know, it's, it's just a game. Like I'm looking at some of these people and, and, and the way that they react to it. I'm like, it's just a game. It's just, it's just football. Like in a lot of ways, like, and again, it's like, I don't want to sort of diminish the, the prowess or the ability of these, these top level athletes, like, right. you know, I'm so, you know, the, but at the same time, it, it's just a game, like, but it, it is more than that. And so like that vast oversimplification, I think like, you know, there's there's a problem even inherent in that and it's just sort of saying like you refuse to acknowledge the thing for what it actually is or could be mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i and i think the response to that is it's just a toy and i would say so what's wrong with that mm-hmm. i mean as an adult you can't have toys i don't mm-hmm. think so i've I haven't read that in the scriptures or anything like that. I mean, there's obviously a place for toys, but so it's sort of, and I embrace it. So if you, if you come in my office, uh, one wall of my office is all bookshelves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people, one guy has some sports stuff. He's a big sports guy on his shelves. Other people don't have really anything or whatever. If you come into my office, here's what you're going to see. <laughs> you're going to see every space filled, mostly with books. And they're history books and theology books, a little bit of fiction, not too much. And then a bunch of the spaces are all these collector's edition statue things from games. So I got okay. Aloy. I got Aloy twice because I got both the original Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. Forbidden West okay. is that I forget what it's called. It's the elephant war elephant thing. Um, oh, that's one of the new Tremor machines. Tusk. Yeah, Tremor mm-hmm. Tusk. I mm-hmm. think is what it's called. I bought <laughs> Dark Siders is one of my favorite. Okay. Mm-hmm. game series and I bought every single one of the they had a package that had all of the figures so it's got wow. the four horsemen and Volgrim who's the merchant guy that's mm-hmm. all up there I got Kratos up there I got a, a Dark Souls guy up there I got all this stuff and people come in and they look and I love it because they know immediately what my hobbies are I read theology, mm-hmm. history, and I play video games. Those are my hobbies. And I mm-hmm. 
I don't care what you think. I, I mean, it's, that's what I think is the call to maturity. If you want to argue about it, I, I've got reasons for why I like those things, but mm-hmm. I mean, you, you may or may not be persuaded, but I don't really care. I, <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. who I am. And mm-hmm. so I got it there cause I want people to know that, um, you know, so whatever i know it's it's weird i'm i basically say yeah i'm a nerd i'm a theology nerd <laughs> i'm a history nerd and i'm a video game nerd i don't care mm-hmm. you know it used to be being a nerd wasn't you you know you whispered it but now everybody's yeah. a nerd i mean there's yeah <laughs> i mean so uh, with with marvel <laughs> and everything else like sort of oh yeah Finding yeah, mainstream and I got success. Marvel Funko Pops all lined up and down in front of my books. Got all kinds mm. of Marvel Funko Pops because my son started getting me those. <laughs> yeah, because mm, we go yeah. to the Marvel movies. We, that's our thing. I've been doing that since mm-hmm. he was a teenager. So anyway, but so it's just like these are all toys. I spent money on them. I don't feel guilty about it. I mean. It's just stuff, but, you know, it's all in proper perspective, proper order. I believe I have a mature sense of how those things fit into my life. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, and I love too about how like we started off or earlier in the podcast when you were just talking about some of the stuff that you've been into, you're talking about how you're a lifelong learner. You know, about how you continually, even now, are auditing classes, theology classes, and and that effect that it has on you, that you're not just gaining knowledge, but the effect that it has to worship God in a more, uh, a, a broader way, right? When you learn about the God of the universe, you are able to worship him more for who he is you know like we read earlier it's it's through a glass dimly we don't know fully we have the fullest picture in jesus but it's still not there we're not face to face yet but the more that we learn um the more it brings us to worshiping him and so like and and for those things are that's my gifting is is as a teacher so Mm. i teach others which is important to me that i don't just do theology for my own benefit yeah Oh, see, see, th- that's great because um, you have that and that is, you know, your aim, your pursuit. And yet you also spend some time um, in these things that you enjoy. And I think that's, th- that's the proper perspective because, again, I, I do think, you know, Nate, you were talking about how uh, you singled out like patriarchy movement. Um, about where there are these dudes who will just say, yeah, you know, like all these these uh, uh, washed up, you know, guys in their mom's basement playing video games. And, and we're absolutely right to, to criticize. You're absolutely right to criticize those guys. Right. Exa- exactly. But, but it's not the video games that are the culprit. It's no. It's the dudes who rely on video games as their life that like they need a change in their mind you know the the jordan peterson thing of clean your room right <laughs> like get your stuff together um and then maybe you can enjoy these things in a proper way or you I mean it? i was just sort of thinking like you know and again sort of using and it's it's a bit of a straw man right i know but i keep sort of bringing up the football like some of these dudes will like 
you know, watch tons and tons of these, these guys who watch tons and tons of football. And again, I like football. Mm -hmm. I like sports. I like hockey, baseball, Mm -hmm. football, just fine. Um, you know, basketball, I'm kind of like basketball for some reason just does not hit with me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. I am just entirely too white for it. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, I'm criticizing my own sort of blandness or whatever. I don't know here. (laughs) It's a, but, um, I think what, what's interesting though, is where some of these people will, and again, I'm not throwing shade there. Like, I, I think like Mm -hmm. to, to the guy who responsibly sort of enjoys that, that sport, and enjoys watching it that's fine i think my problem is like when video games are dismissed as sort of just nothing but mere entertainment where there are so many sort of passive side effects and again i'm not trying to like i'm not trying to be but it's like there's there's problem solving a lot of the times like dynamic thinking mm-hmm. you know even more so like i love chess right but chess really when you break it down is just learning how to break down like what like seeing the patterns and it's it's mm-hmm. like it's it's always like chess only there's only so many outcomes like on a standard chessboard mm-hmm. with with pieces there are only so many moves that can be made there are only so many like and it's just learning it's all pattern recognition like the chess masters can play blindfolded because you know they can play through using the you know a1 the 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 letter and number grid systems they can play blindfolded and they can maintain the game in their head because it's all about pattern recognition. They've seen, they know all the plays, they know all the gamuts, they know all the counters, and they can play all up here and they can think 20 moves ahead because it's all about having the, and, but it's a very static sort of way of thinking. Whereas mm-hmm. the, like if you like, and I'm not, and again, this is not a criticism, but whereas like, Video games, in a lot of ways, when you sort of like engage in a very because they they are immersive, they are required. Like, there's actually a lot of really passive learning there, and especially like you you brought up Josh, even like the co op, or like you were talking about like, sitting fr- around a table with with your friends playing a board game. Even there, hmm. there's this sort of like the the learning how to lose well, learning how to win well, hmm. learning how to compete well. Like, and even in a smaller, but even just sort of learning how to enjoy and cooperate with people and how to interact. Like there are so many sort of things again, <laughs> overcooked, uh, that's, that's <laughs> the marriage record right there. Uh, like, um, sorry, don't want to detour us. No, it's no, no. but, and what, what I'm saying though, is like there, there are some, and again, I'm not trying to just like scrabble for reasons and being like, Oh no video games. It's, it's like, Hey, like engage it or don't, but like, right. let's be mature in the way that we sort of approach these things and recognize yeah. that there is a mature way to engage this medium. And there's an immature way now. And again, I think one of the particular dangers sort of, we, we sort of noted or, or observed is that video games due to like the immersive nature of them like and just like that they are in in many ways engineered to sort of like keep us on the hook right mm-hmm. there's there's a maybe a bigger danger there than with other mediums but mm-hmm. like are there's more to sort of be aware of or sort of be sort of cautious in how we approach them but like there's also a lot of like benefit there can be potentially a lot of benefits if these things are used well. And again, we've we brought up right. like in a lot of ways, video games can serve as a sort of a 
a very soft arena to sort of like do some skill checks, like real life skill checks and and thought process. You, you know, it's like, and they can teach us in safe environments how to sort of engage things. Like, you know, and again, sort of like we've talked about, I, I know that Josh, you and I have talked about how like even with the Souls-like games are very hard games where one of the, you can sort of like cultivate, you know, I think the term they use now is grit, but you can cultivate grit. Like, you know, it's like, because the, the entire point of those games is like, get back in there, like maybe, maybe do some leveling up, but it is really like, if you're going to progress the game, it is like, you learn how to play the game. You sort of push past the, the sort of the different skill checks and barriers and you progress, you, you learn how to persevere. And yet it's a very low test sort of grounds for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're watching a football game, Tell me what you're like, you know, and again, I'm not trying to be like this dude, but if you're just mere, being a mere observer, are there tactics and strategies and sort of like, but like, like how, how is that like redemptive? <laughs> it's like, you're just, you're just watching a bunch of other people do something, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, and, and I'm not trying to be dismissive or anything. Um, and it, it is like, Hey, take, take the criticism where it's, it's warranted. Um, mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, there part of though, and even sort of, we talked about is Eric. And I, I really did like this is part of it is like, you don't care what they think. And I think that's part of it too. Right. Yeah. It's saying like being willing to take the criticism and say, look, no, there are things here that we need to check and we need to like sort of grow and we need to challenge and, and sort of. I think adapt. that's, I, yeah, I think that's, a maturity thing where I've looked at my life um, and the things that are in it that I can justify and put in the proper place. I'm not going to be ashamed of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and somebody might differ and that's, that's great. I actually like that. Um, I I go in the sports guy. I talk to him all the time because he's really he he watches baseball. He's into all that. And I used to watch baseball, but I don't anymore. And so I'll I'll go ask him about things, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's the I think that's the point. It's maturity. I was going to throw in here years ago. I was going to write an article for the TRG website, which I and I never got around to doing it. But it was basically I came up with four, hopefully I can remember them, benefits to gaming because everybody mm-hmm. was at the time seemed to be just talking about, you know, the, the bad stuff, the addiction and all that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stories on these guys addicted to gaming. And it was like, okay, I don't want anybody to have the impression like there's no redeeming value to gaming. And I came mm-hmm. up with right. what you guys have already been saying. Like one is community. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I have friendships. I mean, you guys, mm-hmm. I don't know you other than for gaming. Um, yep. And I had a friend here in Arizona who I met through gaming and he and found out he was also a believer and we used to get together and do stuff and he passed, but he mm-hmm. was a great guy. And I, on, I only met him because it was online playing Rainbow Six Vegas. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He was great to play with online. He was just a great guy. So, so there's community benefits. Um, there's skill benefits, which Nate was was saying. You know, thinking, you know, critical thinking, um, 
there's hand-eye coordination for, you know, that which is not the, you know, biggest skill, but that's a skill. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, years ago, I read a book, I can't think of the name of it, by Jane McGonigal about the mental health benefits of gaming. If you put gaming in the proper place, like they used games. Uh, the one I remember, the study, they did a study where they had burn victims who were going through grafting, which apparently is super painful. Mm. One of the most painful things is burn healings and the grafting. And they would have them play video games while they were doing it. And it would help them feel less pain because they were engaged mentally with something that they had to focus on other than the pain. Mm. Um, So there's just things like that. Uh, And I can't remember. There was a fourth one and I, I can't think of it now, but anyway, there's, you know, there's Probably memory. people don't con- seem to not consider um, when they're being critical about games. And we mm-hmm. have to be honest and say, okay, yeah, you know, it is addictive. We've, we've already talked about that. Um, and people have to be careful if, if that's something that I can see. Like I would see my son, I had to be really careful and watch him with certain kinds of games. Yeah. Um, he would get very addictive and I never let him have a, a console in his room. Um, mm. When we had a console, it was out in the, in the family room. And so if anybody wanted to play, including me, it had to be in front of everybody. <clears throat> so that was one way to keep an eye on, but there were also certain games. Like I had to ban him. I actually took it back to the store from a Soul Calibur game. He got so upset and frustrated because he couldn't do what he wanted to do. It was not good for him. And so mm-hmm. he did not like it at all. But I said, okay, you can't play this game anymore. I'm taking it back to the store. And he was so upset. But that was the only one I can remember. But there were other times where I had to say, look, you know, you, you can't. So you have to watch that with your kids. Um, yeah. It's a danger. Yeah. Um, it can be addictive. Um, but that doesn't mean it's worthless. Right. That's not the only right. thing it is. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the what we're sort of in, in some ways dancing around and, and, you know, but it's like the, the one of the key sort of principles here is putting it, keeping this thing in its right place. Like even when you're talking about the, like one, I, I'm very, very much empathized with your son because I love fighting games, but I'm absolute trash at them. And, um, the last time I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, the last time I destroyed, because I, I was a controller destroyer. Um, okay. <laughs> and, um, I think at one point in time, and I can't remember, it might've been street fighter four. Uh, I had a friend who beat me at a game and it was like one of the last times I really did this. I you know XCOM, XCOM got me on one of the, the, the recent, t- the, the most recent, not the most recent time I played XCOM, but the time before that, I think there was, I was doing like, I was trying to do like the hardcore run and I like, had yeah and i twisted a controller in half um i was so angry um 
I was spending a lot more time in the gym at that point. Um, <laughs> I, I doubt I could perform that feat of strength. Um, but like uh, now, but I, I remember I was playing Street Fighter 4 and I loved Street Fighter 4. I love Street Fighter. I, I love fighting games, right? But also I'm absolute trash at them. Um, th- there's, I lack the, the one, the discipline and the time to like really invest in them. Like I, I want to yeah. get good overnight and I'm, and I just won't spend the time to actually like learn how to play. Um, but also I'm hyper competitive and when I feel like I should have won and I didn't, um, anyways, I was playing a friend and he was, uh, you know, point of the story is he was better than I was. And, uh, I, it was my controller. So, I mean, it wasn't like I was breaking, but I, took i had these like these controllers and i just took it and i broke it over my knee and i was like um again but there's a lesson <laughs> there's a lesson learn self-discipline yeah um like, you, know, you didn't in that in that instance but you can develop that self-discipline well and, and i also the the also the the other lesson was like listen just don't play fighting games <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's it. Yeah, I, I love the Dark Souls type games, and I'm so mm-hmm. bad at them. And mm-hmm. it's so frustrating. So you see where my son got it from. It's so frustrating because I want to be better. And I'm, and I'm doing all this stuff. I'm like, I'm not asking. I don't want to be the world's best. I just want to be confident. And I'm, I can't get there. It's so yeah. frustrating. But you learn that, you know? But, yeah. and, and again, sort of like sort of circling back around to what it was like, but the, the key to all of this is really keeping these things in their proper place. Mm-hmm. And when you, you utilize these things wisely, you know, and it's, I'm not trying to sort of, you know, this is something we just talk about, but when you prioritize the necessary. And so when you prioritize your, your home, your church, your, your, your vocation, your labor, And you sort of, you prioritize, it's again, it's like when you make those things and you sort of make sure that all those, the the necessities are sort of seen to and taken care of. And you can use these things in sort of a morally beneficial way, then like it's been, it's good, but Mm -hmm. it is, but it is also like, you know, you know, th- there's there's a, probably an entire conversation, like probably an entire episode or two where, um, you know, just talking about like the escapism and sort of like yeah. the the lures and dangers of escapism. But yeah, it actually, if I could interject for just mm-hmm. a second, because it came up when you were talking earlier and, and I just wanted to, to throw it out there, too, is because it totally goes, you know, keeping this in this proper in its proper place. The first place that I think of is time. You know, Mm -hmm. you you don't want to spend inordinate amounts of time. We talked about addiction um, and how it is addictive. And so how it's easy to slip into that when you're really enjoying a game of of sitting down and and playing way longer than you expected. And then, and then that just kind of snowballs. Um, So there's time, but there is also um, the way that you engage with it, I think has to do Mm -hmm. with, with putting it in its proper place. And so there is this, this pushback, um, 
And again, you brought up kind of like patriarchy, you know, oh, go go get after life and, and quit playing your video games kind of a thing, which I think there's a legitimate kernel of of criticism here is like these are fantasy worlds that you are engaging in. So instead of instead of pursuing um, competency in real life, you are instead pursuing competency in these fantasy worlds. Mm. And I think there's a legitimate concern there. So what I'm saying is put it in its proper place because I think when you do that, uh, well, okay, there's two things here. One is that I think that same thing can be said about fiction, about literature. You can get lost in a fantasy world in 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 that or or in a movie, you know, like you really just enjoy this oh, movie and television. you want to live in that world. Right. Know, yeah. You yeah. You could do that with other media. So it's not inherent to video games. Now there is an interactivity in video games, but it's not only it's not unique to I'd video games. I'd say the the hook is a little more subtle and at the same mm -hmm. time a little more appealing in games just based yeah. on the fact that they are again engineered to sort of like Yeah. Right. But when it's put in its proper place, uh, just like with literature, then you can see the ties that that these fantasy worlds have to real life, and you can actually take some of the things that you learn in these stories, in these worlds, and apply them in real life. One of the games that I think that really hit me, and we played it last year and talked about it, um, that does this really well is What Remains of Edith Finch. Mm. If you've played that game where the the it's it's kind of a tragic story is the way that it plays a number of tragic stories yeah was, a, it, a series it, of tragic vignettes yeah mm -hmm. and, and it delves into the way that we as humans um think about and and interpret our situation and based on that how we can how we view reality almost and and how we um if we tell ourselves lies about the way that the world is and we start believing those things how we can get lost in that and so and that's that's from a video game you know you could just you could get lost in that game sure but really that game is telling you something about real life and i think Video games have the. You talked about this, Nate, about how it is a low stakes arena in which you can play out different ideas, and and I think that's that's the right place to put it in. Yes, there's a danger of getting lost in that if you engage in a childish way, but I don't think it's it's absolutely necessary. And in fact, I think if you do engage it in a proper way, it can be beneficial in real life. Hmm. Yeah. I go ahead, Eric. Any any kind of well, just throwing in here. I probably overemphasize storytelling because that's my favorite part of mm -hmm. video games. Mm -hmm. Um, but any kind of I mean, you guys know this if you've heard C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. Any kind of storytelling is, you know, imaging God, the ultimate storyteller. Um, yep. And so that's why these things can be so powerful. Um, mm -hmm. That's how God interacts with us. I mean, think of what's what just the Bible. It's it's God telling us stories. Now these stories are actually history, so they actually mm -hmm. happen. That's how God tells stories. But yeah. that's just like, like the prime communication method that God yeah. chose. Jesus taught yeah. in parables. Yeah, yeah. 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 
I, I, I guess sort of like the, 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 I guess the last sort of thought that I had is I think one of the other things, and again, it's sort of even coming back to the, like the kind of almost like, I don't really care what they think, but it, I think one of the things that too, it, that video games, I think it helps us to maybe hopefully not take ourselves so seriously. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. about, and I don't want to, this is like, could be like a whole, but like there's a lot of emphasis on like culture war stuff sort of going on. Like, you know, just in, in our current sociopolitical climate. Um, mm. And I mean, like, listen, there, there are theological ramifications and things like definitely like ways to come at this. Um, but one of the things that I've sort of been, um, you know, I had lunch with, with Jared the other week, uh, last Thursday and, you know, and, and he's, he's just one of those dudes that like, and like, you know, I, I, I've actually told both of you one of these days, I'm just like, when he is finally done with his doctoral thesis, like, and he gets his, his, uh, demon done where, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's agreed to sort of like, you know, at least sit down and sort of talk some stuff. But we were talking about and like just read it, and it'll be the uh, it'll be the length of one of our normal episodes. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, a, it's it's a really big paper, man. Um, <laughs> like, uh, um, but and and I, I but we were talking, and we sort of talking about vocation and recreation and leisure and all of that because he knows sort of where my head is at, and you know. But we were talking about that, and he really talked about how like in some ways, like when we have a proper theology of, of vocation and recreation, it helps us to be playful with our, our labor in the mm. sense that like mm. we understand like that and, and evil, even like playful and, and sort of just life in the sense that because we like, it is serious. Yes, absolutely. Um, some of these things, but also because we, we know who God is. And we know sort of like that, like ultimately, and, and, and I'm probably doing a terrible job. Like I'm probably butchering what he actually said, but there's like for the believer, for the mature believer, right? There is a playfulness that we can engage in where we just don't take any of these things too seriously. We take God seriously. We take his worship and his law very seriously and everything else. We're kind of like, meh. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, it, it sort of removes the burden and, and all the, the anxieties and everything else. And so it's like, I think even in games sometimes, like, you, you know, um, it's okay to just sort of like be like, man, well, like if, if it helps other people to maybe not take me so seriously, maybe it's, it's okay for me to not take myself so seriously too. I mean, we are talking about, uh, I'm a, a grown man who owns a Legend of Zelda whiskey glass. So there there are certain like there's a certain level of special all wrapped up into that. And maybe it's like maybe it'd be helpful for me to just be like eh, maybe 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 there's a lot more to like, laugh at here than I want to like cop to or own. Um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. well I would ask, you know, why is your Legend of Zelda whiskey glass 
any different than if you had a Pittsburgh Steelers whiskey glass. Mm. In some people's minds, it's like, oh, no, that's yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers. That makes sense. But Zelda, come on. I mean, now that you're bringing up the Pittsburgh Steelers whiskey glass, I want that one, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I know that's because I know you're in Pennsylvania. I don't like the Steelers. I'm a, mm, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I, I feel bad for I, you. <laughs> it's, they, I they, never liked Steelers. Mm, greatest football team in the world. <laughs> I know. I bleed black and gold, baby. Like I am when I'm sort of like kids, Yeah, when I was a kid, uh my parents are from Michigan. So mm, you know okay. my dad's teams were Detroit. But mm-hmm. we were he was in the Air Force, so we moved around all over. And it was like, okay, we we just made up this rule. We get to pick our teams. We get to pick which teams we want. So my brother picked the Steelers. This was mm. the Terry Bradshaw era. So he picked the Steelers and I picked the New York Giants. Um, so <laughs> I've never liked the Steelers since because that was my brother's team. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. But anyway, I, I respect them though. Uh, I used to really can't, couldn't stand them, but I respect them now. Um, they are good every year. I mean, they at least have a winning record pretty much every year. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how that sort of goes. I'm, wrapping, I'm not wrapping up. I I got a sidetrack. So <laughs> well, I was just going to say I, I we'll, don't really have much to add. Oh yeah. Um, well, it, now so before we actually sort of really put a button on this conversation. One of the things, you know, so, so Eric, um, you are the judge and, uh, you have, you've shared with, with me that there are times where you have, you have judged us and at times have found us wanting, um, (laughs) at at other times I, I imagine you, you found our, our, uh, our services passable, our, our podcast passable, but, um, we thought, you know, you pitched this to me and I thought it sounded like fun, but, uh, I, I think we're going to call the, the, this next little segment, um, let's get judgy, um, or don't be judgy or for you do be judgy. Um, but it's basically you sort of said like, Hey, sometimes you guys say stuff and I want to like check you on it. Or sometimes you, you say stuff and I'm like, yeah, and that's a good one, but you could go further. And so let's uh i i did ask you to sort of maybe prepare some of your 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 judginess and uh, i i'm i'm interested to see what you bring to the table tonight yeah well and some of them i have are longer discussions so i won't bring those up Mm -hmm. now um and it's really it's judgy in in the friendliest sense in terms Mm -hmm. of there are some times where i want to ask you guys questions to Mm. to get you to to think like what are we really one of them has to do and this is for for some time down the road if you want um i've been listening i've been re-listening to all the top 100 Mm. and i have a lot of questions about what is the criteria now you talk about it there is um, none (laughs) but i want to like just explore what are the criteria which criteria are more important than other criteria? Yeah, I can't believe that you you haven't both played all the games on the list, right? Um, 
That is something we are seeking to rectify. Okay. It's either removing games that we haven't played or. It's kind of judgy, but I don't have any. I mean, I, I don't care what the outcome is. It's just let's, let's make it. I'm not sure calling it the top 100 is really the right nomenclature. Because I keep mm-hmm. going, is it the top 100? Is it the favorite 100? There are other times where you've said it's the 100 games everybody we think everybody should play. Um, mm-hmm. So top <laughs> is okay. It's just, what does that mean? <laughs> or is it objectively these are the best 100 games that have ever been made? Yeah. Um, so there, I got a bunch of questions for to explore for that. When you guys want to get back into that, but let's just pick a real quick one now um and some of these are just because i'm an old curmudgeon and i'm like what are these young people doing these days (laughs) there's something i've noticed and i don't know if it's particularly with you guys but it's with gaming podcasts that i listen to um and i'm wondering is there maybe it's just again all of this maybe just me maybe i'm i'm out to out to lunch um, with any of this stuff, but I, when people talk about RPGs and creating a mm-hmm. character, I've noticed it seems to me that the younger generations make their character themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that. And I'm like, are, are the younger people obsessed with their self, with themselves? Because when I do, I, I play a game to be somebody else. I don't want to be myself. That's the whole thing. That's escaping. That's, I'm not cool. I'm not, you know, I'm Mm. not a bad dude. I can be in a video game. And it's the same kind of thing. And I don't know if you guys necessarily, I think you might have talked about this one time and somebody said, oh yeah, I, I always play as a, people will say, you know, guys will say, I play as a guy. I won't, oh no, I wouldn't play as a girl. I always play as a girl when I can. I have Hmm. a thing for, you know, like Ripley and aliens. I have a thing for that kind of chick. So that's, that's my character. And I want to play as them. I also will play as a bad person because where else can I do that? I can't do that in real life. Mm-hmm. And I play as like I do bad things in a video game. I'm not really bad, but I do bad things in a video game because there's no consequences. It's not real. But I mm-hmm. hear younger people a lot of times, and they'll go, "Oh no, I, I always do the good thing, and I always am a guy, and I make the guy look like me." And I'm just like, "Really? I don't understand that. This, this is, is a whole chance to be somebody else." This is kind of like one of those things, though, where it's like, I'm in this post and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> is it just me? Is it, I, am I just weird? Did I want to, maybe I'm just so dissatisfied with my life. I want to be somebody else whenever possible. But uh, anyway, so that's one of my things. I'm kind of judgy. I'm, I'm, cause my thought is, eh, these younger kids, they're just, they're self obsessed. Mm-hmm. self-absorbed self-obsessed narcissistic they want to be themselves in a video game i don't get that i want to be an idealized version of myself at times 
I mean, mm-hmm. like my monster hunter character is like he's got a sweet pompadour and a beard, and <laughs> I wish I could rock that. Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, um, nice. it, I think it it does depend on some of the game. Like, you know, I played with, with Bioshock. I was like, I was definitely Femshep, um, and I did I did the the Paragon. Oh yeah. Yeah, Mass you said Effect. Bioshock. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. what? What no. is going on here? <laughs> but it's but yeah, with Mass Effect, I was I played Fem Shep. I played Dude Shep too. Um and I ran through both of those. Um the the Paragon and the Renegade. The Renegade yeah. yeah. And so I think I think at times like if you give me the option to customize, like I want to make a character that feels like they belong in that world. And sometimes, sometimes it is, I'm just like way more comfortable in my own skin. And I sort of like, yeah, I'll make it like an idealized version of myself. Sometimes like I'll just play as a character that's completely outside of like mm-hmm. my frame of reference. And I'll just be like, I'm going to make this person just be a total jack wagon for no other reason than just, I don't know, man. Are, but if you're asking the question, are kids like are, are young people obsessed with themselves today? The answer is a resounding yes. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I keep. Well, I will say that in Bioshock, since you brought it up, I could not bring myself to harvest those kids. No. Okay, what? Why? Why is that? <laughs> I just do it. It, okay. was, it was too much. It was crossed a line somewhere. That was a bridge yes. too far. So I, I think I think it's that because I do generally try and put myself in a game when I like that's just my default is because I know that when I'm faced with a question, I will I will default to what I would answer if I were in that position. So yeah. I generally go by, and, and Nate, you put it well, an idealized version. So like, I don't want it to look like me. I'm, I don't usually create bald characters, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I know that if there's a lot of choice in the game, more than likely it's going it, to, like, I love the Shin Megami Tensei games and they ask you lots of questions and you make different decisions and that affects the outcome of the game. And I generally go with what is most morally right to me. Um, in, and I think that like in Bioshock is one of those two. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't harvest any of the little girls because no, uh, I, I just couldn't. Sure. There are times I think like Nate was saying too, there are games or times where I'm just like, I don't care. And I want to see what happens if I just go wacko. And sure, that's in, in, even in like, um, in, in, we played Baldur's Gate last year and playing Baldur's Gate 2 right now. I am creating a character for that. It, it does resemble me in some ways, but it's not, it's, it's more of me trying to embody another character than it is, um, really trying to answer the questions that are posed throughout the game in a personal way. Um, I've never thought about it if of as self obsession. It that may be um, part of it, but it's also just that I I know I'm going to answer the questions like myself, and so how am I going to react in this game? So I'm going to put me in the game, like really this is this is kind of an avatar for myself right. versus do I really want to role play? 
And generally, I don't want to role play unless that's very particular to that game. I think Baldur's Gate, something like Baldur's Gate, I knew going in, this is to play a role. So like have fun with it because everyone's kind of crazy. And then you start playing and it's like, okay, yeah, it's even crazier than I thought. Awesome. Um, so I play an elf named Keebler. So it's just fun. So yeah. Does he give mm. out cookies? <laughs> uh, from afar with his <laughs> bows and arrows. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. You got anything else that the the judges some find us wanting? <laughs> uh, no, I'll save. I'll. I have other. I made a list here, but yeah, uh, it's getting late, and I want to be true. on it. I want to be on the podcast again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I will save it for another time. Well, I will say I will say this while you're still on on the the call here is that I do appreciate the pushback as well. Like the the top 100 also, um, I appreciate it when people speak into that and can speak honestly about like, guys, what are you yeah. what are you even doing? Well, Paul, and I, I appreciate not- it's difficult what you're doing. It mm-hmm. is difficult, so it's not that I, it, I just I would just I have questions that will get you at least think about like, okay, yes. can, can we be a little clearer in yeah. how we're doing this? Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe it'll change a few as you're yeah. like, cause I know Paul, there's some, Paul of them is you probably just, like shouting from the rafters. Like, yes, please. I've somebody, told you guys I've this so many times. This to, like, right. He's just, he's glad that somebody else is like, finally, <laughs> <laughs> and people can go like I. There are games that I have a real place in my heart, but I know they're not that good. Uh, you know, right. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we talked about some of those on the yeah, last yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just fun. I've been listening. I've been re-listening to all those where you go through the the list and talk about okay. it. And you have mentioned the criteria um, at one time or another, but I just okay. could explore like. If I had, if I pressed you, what's the, what's mm-hmm. the most important criteria? Yeah. It's Is inconsistent. Or, sure. or do you want to say, no, it's, it's two really that are equally as important. Those are at the top or something, you know, I don't know. It's just, we have explored ways to sort of like revisit that and restructure that. It's just, it's. Well, I can just play lawyer and sort of cross-examine you. <laughs> um, I love it. And go like, okay, but yeah. What? If uh, if that's your criteria, why is this game at this spot? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe maybe you can even sort of make a meta like sort of a meta argument here saying, well, because human nature is inconsistent and yeah. y- you know our criteria we we sort of build in mechanically right. the ability to just be wildly inconsistent here your list and it's, yeah and it's, it's consistent with us um <laughs> it's co- it's consistent with our inconsistency right but and the heart wants what the heart wants <laughs> sometimes but if we're striving to be more like the god who is not the god of chaos but the god of order <laughs> there's 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 some there's some very rational things going on here i (laughs) i appreciate it i appreciate the attempt to sort of cultivate this uh our chaos but 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it is time to sort of just really sort of button it up, land the plane here. Um, so let's sort of enter into the closing forms. Uh, Josh, do you have any shout outs for the community? Oh, I'm so bad. I don't, I don't because I've been away from uh, particularly the discord, uh, for quite a while now. We so will I, let I, you slide this time. I'll have something next time. Next time will. Y- you will not I fail will. me again, Broccolope. Well, um, I, okay. Okay. No, you know what? No, I will. Because from the times that I've, um, I love, uh, John, I, I know I've, I, I bring him up a lot, but um, he has been throwing out a bunch of music recos, especially mm. like right now he's been going through the, the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate catalog. There are a thousand plus tracks. Like it's crazy how much music is in, on uh, Smash Brothers Ultimate because there's so many characters, so many different um, series that are there. And uh, he highlights just some of those songs. And so that's been really good. I've been listening to some Smash Brothers music, uh, which is really just other games music you know like like xenoblade has such good music just the whole series so um those those have been fun to watch so there you go there's there's your shout out john thank you good good i'm glad that you you know stepped up i actually have a twofold shout out uh one uh, i'm gonna shout out eric here uh for just being you know (laughs) and he's he's gotten a shout out here from time to time but one for hopping on the mics with us and chewing the fat for a while being uh sort of really putting into practice the being really good at being bad at brevity um (laughs) yes yeah you sir uh i believe have uh you know yes you can, you can, you can, you can make the custom T-shirt that says "I'm really good at being bad at brevity." Um, yes. But uh, I would also like to just, uh, like I said, uh, and I told you guys, and I, I, I today started out really rough, um, and you know, I just sort of like dropped a note in the onwards and upwards channel, and there was a lot of really good and encouraging, sort of like pushback. And just encouragement to sort of like press on and and I just wanted to like shout those dudes on like you know and it was like I think uh, Big Chill was part of that uh, you know Dorian and and all his base uh, are belong to us um, was, was in on that and then uh, you know and of course John John was in there sort of like just sort of like offering some some encouragement and then even sort of uh, you know our our my buddy Jason who who you know, has done, who did our logo work and, uh, you know, he, he sort of, and is now a, a fellow employee of the post office, al- although he's a clerk. Um, so, you know, we, we, we don't hold that against him, but like, you know, the, those guys sort of offered, you know, some, some counsel and encouragement and, and a little bit of empathy. And I really appreciated it. Um, and just wanted to say, you know, I, like, it, it was just, it was really cool. And I want to encourage everybody to sort of step into some of that uh, from time to time. But uh, yeah, that's the only shout out that I have really. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, so moving on from the shout outs, uh, it's time to sort of uh, leverage the the personal challenge. Josh, um, I mentioned the fact that uh, I absolutely sucked at counting my calories this week or this last Mm -hmm. two weeks. So I'm going to double back and uh, I'm going to give it another crack. And I think too, one of the other things in addition to counting my calories, and I know I'm sort of adding to the the challenge here is like, I I just want to be much more consistent with my water intake as well. Like I need to be drinking way more water. And it's like, 
Yeah. It's so that's that's been that's that's pretty much where I'm at. That like that's sort of like and of course, you know, sort of keeping up with like the the journaling and the the sort of like building in sort of the the quiet time and those routines and, and stuff. But yeah. How about you? Sweet. I was just thinking about water intake earlier today too. Um, so that, that's another great one. But really what I want, what I, uh, my challenge uh, for the next two weeks is when I get home from work, I want to put my cell phone somewhere, well, actually probably on this computer desk right behind me, um, just somewhere where I can access it if I want, but it doesn't have to be on me mm. and I don't have to pull it out when I'm bored. Because I realize that sometimes, um, you know, my kids will be playing or whatever. I've got young kids. And I I I realized it's 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 embarrassing to even say it, but that they see me as like just, you know, scrolling my phone. Like I'm their dad and I'm in the room and I'm just like scrolling the phone. Not that they necessarily need my attention all the time, but like I would rather give it to them than I would other things like that. So not that I don't use my phone at all, but like why do I need to have it on me if I'm home? I can walk, you know, anything that comes to mind that I need my phone for, like I can walk to the desk and and, mm. and use it. So, but I think that little bit of um, resistance there will help me to recognize that, hey, I don't actually need it. Maybe I shouldn't use it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I should spend time with my family in the evening. You know what I mean? Or, you know, make that a priority, even just like subconsciously um, than what I am already. So putting my phone not on my body, not, not in my pockets, not on my body at the end of the day. That's my challenge. I like it. I like it. And uh, I guess I guess all that sort of remains before we really sort of land a plane here is, uh, Josh, do you, do you have something? Like- what? What is your, Here's your quest? quest, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this week, they, there are no winners. Um, unless oh, sorry, we, we count me. Um, but we sort of like... Right. The, the, uh, am I disqualified? Because I'm, I'm technically like sort of part mm. of, you know... I'm probably disqualified. Um, that, well, we have a judge in the room. We have a, we you, have a judge. Do, do you decide that... Uh, yeah, be a judge in your own case. <laughs> well... so. The the question is one that I s- sort of like oh. sideways submitted. So well, you can uh, ask yourself questions. I often do that. But okay, uh, am I eligible for like the five bucks? That's no. that's the. No. <laughs> He's just like no, <laughs> absolutely not. Of course not. You can't benefit off of your okay. own contest. Oh, and even oh, your family, your family members can't either. You know, you've read the. Oh. Am I the only one that reads the little small print on Sweet these sticks. contests? Where, <laughs> you know, I know um, no uh, employees or families of employees are eligible. There you go. Judgment uh, has been passed. Ju- the the judge has spoken. So. So yeah, I guess we'll just and we we still have a ton of questions that we have. To, to pull from the mailbag. We have not forgotten about these, but we thought this might be a fun little sort of one to, to, to run at. And uh, it's basically, uh, what is your perfect game, right? And, and this is sort of a question that uh, SG Bitcast did an episode on, and they sort of talked about this. And so the, the question, the, the, the question 
is mm-hmm. what is your perfect game? And mine is basically Shadow of the Colossus with Dark Soul or with Dark Souls style combat, a grappling hook, and maybe some procedurally procedurally generated dungeons and sort of like it's it's a much more massive thing but it's like basically mm-hmm. sort of like that framework and um you know with like some you know proc gen sort of dungeons almost a la re- uh uh returnal kind of content um where it's like man like if, you, if they gave me something like that i just i don't know that i'd ever play another game like I, I mean, I probably would buy more games, but I would probably <laughs> play that one until like. Who are we kidding? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But um, Josh, what what is your That's answer awesome. to That's awesome. to the the uh, the perfect game? So you went mechanical. You went like game mechanics um, for your answer. Well, and mine it's also is very different story. It's like you know that story, kind of like that that shadow of the Colossus minimalist sort of, but like dark souls right. and story stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's, it's primarily mechanical. It's primarily system. Mm-hmm. I was, I just threw that out the window because to me, I'm like, I, I like having options for different genres. I don't want to nail down like one and say, this is my ideal game. Um, but I was thinking narratively and, and this just came to mind it's not necessarily like, oh, this is the perfect game for me, but I, w- I would really like to see it, is that I really like Shin Megami Tensei games. I think the idea of kind of the the end of the world and then recreating it uh, in, in, in seeing how uh, some of the, the your idealistic assumptions play out is a really cool concept, but generally SMT games end kind of at a fixed point where you have made the the like you have become the most powerful being and then you decide what you want to do and then it kind of ends from there i think pushing that premise farther would be really interesting where you have this cast of characters who um have these different ideals in the way that they think basically the premise is the way that they think that god should act right so if you think that God is ought to be this certain being um, and you were given the power of a God and, and to create a world um, in your image, what would it look like? And so I, my ideal game would be something like a Shin Megami Tensei game where you have this whole cast and you're traveling between these different worlds and you really play out the basically the problems of any of different ideas of God that is not who God truly is. And so in a way, um, because I'm a Christian, I think of this in a, in a very specific way. I would use this game to, to show people like the folly of, of human assumptions of what God ought to be. And so like, I would want to eventually show how, God's um the like true God Yahweh how his justice and his holiness and his love and his kindness all work together in in like his sacrificial love how those things work together ultimately like towards the end of the game kind of showing that all those things need to be there in order to create a world in which there's actually like human flourishing is is a possibility because in every other world you would see like 
the eventual decay, whether it is a passive God that just leaves absolute chaos for all of humanity, or whether it's a God who rules with an iron fist and you see, um, you know, the, the death, like as soon as someone screws up, like, I think it would be really cool to push those, uh, to push that premise and to be able to travel between all these different ideas and then see kind of the downfall of all of them. Hmm. Oh, I like that, man. I like wow, that. Yeah. What about you, Eric? What is your, if you know, sort of give me, <clears throat> give is, me the elevator pitch sort of of the perfect Eric game. <laughs> it is. It is a tough question. I've had hard. some time to think. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do a half joking. Awesome. One, and it's a power wash simulator. <laughs> I absolutely love that game. Yeah. It's so therapeutic. Okay. Yes. I mean, part of the time you're wondering how on earth did this get this dirty? There's no way <laughs> in reality that this thing could have gotten this dirty. But when you clean something and there's this little ding, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and it's so, it's just relaxing. And it's also the only game I've been ever, ever able to play while listening to podcasts. So I was catching up on mm. a lot of my podcasts. Mm. Normally I can't do that because my brain just. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's, there's entirely too much going on. Yeah. Um, I hear people say they do it, but I just, I have never been able to do it. Um, but this there's, there's the only audio is the sound of the of the water. Oh, wow. Washer. That's it. And then a ding, but it also does a visual ding thing. I don't know. I love that game. I hmm. I'm probably going to erase my uh, data and start over from scratch. <laughs> just wash, just wipe it clean and yeah, start over. Once you played it, I mean, you can free play and stuff, but it's not the same thing as playing through. Is it, is it really wiping it clean or is it taking his save file and dirtying it up? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh. Yeah, that game, that game is awesome. I That's, like how you ran with my pun, Nate. Uh, that was awesome. Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> I, hate, I hate everything right now. <laughs> uh, well, I think, Josh, now that all the forms have been observed and we've sort of run through all the segments, it's time to really start winding this down and uh you know right before you that thanks eric for sort of joining us and uh yeah if yeah, you great. you would like the listeners to find you online or if you'd rather not that's fine too but where could they find you if <laughs> you know don't find me you don't want to find me <laughs> no i'm only on facebook that's it under my name okay. and that's it that's all i can handle <laughs> do you right. still have the the is it still the the uh the I'm frozen caveman lawyer yes is that still yes. your profile pic okay that's my alter ego because your that's world awesome. uh confuses and frightens me i don't understand it. <laughs> i that's respect I that feel a lot yeah i think you know most christians should be able to relate to that because we're, yeah. we're not of this world you know we're mm. in the world but we're not of it so we just i just constantly go like what? <laughs> so that character, <laughs> that was his tagline. I, so your that's world awesome. Titans and confuses me. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. That's awesome. Where can they that's find awesome. us, Josh? 
Oh, tons of different places. So uh, you got questions for us or you want to judge us too. I mean, you might not have, you know, Eric's credentials, uh, <laughs> but feel free to, you know, shoot your judgments our way on Twitter. Our handle is at BBDowncast. You can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com. We do have the Facebook group, the hashtag Backlog Book Club. And then we also have a Discord link for that will be in the show notes. Then if you want to get a little bit more personal, on the internet, I generally go by Broccolope, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. Boom. So that's yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? And you know, I would just say like you know, and uh, if you guys are paying attention, like you know, we we do the whole. We've been trying to be a little more proactive in social media, and uh, would love to have you guys engaged with some of those posts. And, and you know what? That reminds me. I, I forgot. That reminds me that I forgot. Uh, we do also have an Instagram now. Mm. It's Instagram.com slash the backlog breakdown. So we're posting on there too, posting pictures. You might get some weird ones because I've got a weird sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. The, the, Josh has given me, there's some fodder that he has given me that I'm waiting for the appropriate time to leverage. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, but, uh, that all of that being said, um, I think the, the only real question that, uh, exists to be asked at this point in time is, uh, until next time, Josh, like we've done everything that we sort of came to do. And I think we had a a heck of a night doing it. Uh, and again, you know, thanks Eric for joining us and, uh, thank you listeners for hanging in, uh, for all, however long this is. And, uh, you know, but we've, I think we have, we have wrestled with this enough. What should they do, Josh? What should they Guys, do? Keep beating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Sounds good to me. Now go play with your toys. (laughs) Or don't play with them.